<laughs> Welcome to Plant Chat Valor in episode 44. All the fours, 44. I, I'm doing it like a bingo announcer. That's, it's kind of cool, isn't it? Dude, that was a cool intro. Thank you, thank you. I've been working on it. I've been down the bingo halls earning... You know, yeah, little... our 60 plus audience is going to love that <laughs> reference, your the, little bingo hall reference. YouTube yeah. analytics say that there are a significant portion of our audience over 60, but it's actually just all the 12 year olds who've put in the wrong age. <laughs> yeah, it's, they've just put in their ages like, oh, I was born in the year 1900 in order to access the, uh, the naked yoga streams that are on this, <laughs> this website. Just a, a, a disease yeah. upon Link. the earth. Much like this himbo sat next to me. How, how are the two of you doing? <laughs> Wait, I, you went from naked yoga brutal to roast. me. You didn't even drop I mean, the like, link. I haven't done any naked yoga on YouTube, as far as I'm aware. Well, listen, but, I buddy, mean, now you that start I'm on OnlyFans. That's true. Now, I'm looking for jobs, so it could be the next, <laughs> could be the next thing. Like, could be it. Like, I don't know. And I, I feel like I could get as, as hot and sweaty as the people would like. You know, I could definitely do it. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's no, what I'm doing. You've been uploading some thirst traps this week. You've been you've been looking uh, yeah. cute oh, on the yeah. timeline this yeah, week. Yeah, well, that, my roommate got a wig because she wanted to do cosplay. And so oh. I tried it on. And honestly, she got like, it's sort of like a Sisterhood of the Traveling pants situation because that wig worked on like every single person. I don't <laughs> know if we have Sisterhood of the Traveling pants fans. What do you mean it worked on every like person? Like you could put it on and everyone, it fit everybody. Like it was right. like, a, it like looked good, you know? And like yeah, much yeah. like the Sisterhood Ooh, of the Traveling Pants. Okay. They, uh, well, that's not even, that was not a, I got a bonus photo with that too because my my other roommate then uploaded a photo of me from college <laughs> when I was going to a Halloween party. I'll pass on this one. Uh -huh. Jesus. Uh -huh. No pass. People, people were far more inflamed over this photo. They were, they were far more inflamed over this yeah, one. Yeah, because like, he looks like you played Dungeons and Dragons with Satan. Like, no, people are like, you know, there's the demographic for the goth GF, and then they were like, well, what about goth BF? And that's yeah. the little that, goth that E boy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. I can appreciate that. So, are you, when are you going to announce that you're becoming a hot tub streamer? That's, that's my question. Well, first of all, I don't know what you said because for some reason Josh's mic is cutting out for me. I, don't oh, hear, I didn't hear that same. last part. When are you becoming a hot tub streamer? Is that oh, better? Uh, Yes, that is much better. Now, I, I think that I'm going to do that and hot yoga at the same time. I'm going to do something revolutionary. Mm. I'll do hot yoga on YouTube, right? And then I will get into the hot tub and then switch to Twitch. So I'll just stream on both platforms. And then I'm going to hit both, all the demographics. OnlyFans, where you'll add the naked part. Yes. I see. Exactly I see. So. Bala's exactly already so. got this suspiciously figured out. Suspiciously knows Dude, exactly how manager. to do it. Did, I'm you, did you guys ready, catch... Like, but Ball was doing a little nasty man hand rub when that photo of Avast came up. I'm just saying, Avast was freaking hot. Like, you know? okay. Yeah. okay, Trump. yeah, listen. I mean, you can't, gotta... can't argue Not with that. Not that one, Kurt, come no, what, you, on, That's the one that the people like. Thank you, this one is hot. Like, okay, all right, yeah, listen, that does there. it. That does it for Bala. All right. That, <laughs> let's let's talk Valorant, huh? Because that's what we're here to do. This isn't a bingo hall. I don't know who gave you that idea. We've got a patch 2.09, Viper nerfs. And they specifically said that this this patch was designed to come in before Reykjavik. Yeah. So this is not a big patch, but the opening paragraph says, um, what did it say? It said something like, uh, the our aim is just to tweak the game slightly and get it into a healthy place before Reykjavik. 
Yeah, it's important we don't get too crazy with balance changes. Well, you kind of did that already a couple of weeks ago. You, you screwed the pooch on that one. That happened a month ago. You, you <laughs> fucked the whole game up with these yeah, vices. You're trying, they're trying to revert the damage done. <laughs> and but they can't. They say reverting the damage done would be too crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I don't... I mean, look... Any, any bit of, any crumb of damage they take off the instant decay is a step in the right direction, but this is but a step now. I mean, I think it's still... Yeah, what are you, what well, are you guys thinking? 30, right? Yeah, went yeah. from 50 to 30. Cool. I, it, it helps, right? I mean, it helps. It's not going to be, like, especially with some of the weaker weapons that aren't doing enough damage anyways. I think this, like, makes it so that the Phantom can't one-shot anymore. Uh, or, sorry, whatever the way Marshall. it is. Uh, yeah. No, no, the Marshall's already been, like, whatever. The Phantom now, can't, with the headshot, it's not, it's not the same thing, right? It doesn't have the same effect. Um, but the Vandal doesn't change at all, especially body shots and whatnot. So, Wait, sorry. Can you explain the math to me? Why would the why would the Phantom be affected by this? The headshot with the Phantom is what one forty one whatever one forty one ish one forty two something like that. Yeah. Oh, so it's yeah. still. I think the point was it's still oh, can right, one shot right, headshot right. when they come through. Um, something about the body shots changed too, where it's like three body shots from the Vandal, which was the same thing already, but the Phantom now gets one extra, has to right. do one extra body shot. Right, when they okay. come through the wall. Uh, do, does Don't it really move care. the needle on Viper at all? Is she less oppressive? Is she less likely to get picked? Is she less defining for the meta? No. I mean, I think she's still <laughs> insane. And if you combine her with Astra, still insane. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit less annoying. Still really annoying on pistol rounds, for instance. Yeah. I mean, even just generally. Just being down. Yeah, it's just... It, they just I, need to they need to take Viper in a different direction if they're trying to make her a mainstay in regards to viability on all maps um, I think they, there, there needs to be a more creative approach I suppose rather than just tuning the numbers um, yeah I, I, I think also it's good think for that, Brazil like, too sorry go ahead Bala I think that no matter what you do with the damage numbers, like people realize that Viper is good and people realize that, you know, everything about her is actually like relatively good, especially with the other stuff, you know? So like the smoke still has decay. The mollies are still ridiculous. Like all that stuff was more of a realization once they were like, holy crap, this, this decay thing is really, really broken. Um, it showed all the other stuff that was broken because like people are still diving through walls in pro play, right? Just coordinated. That's, that's basically the same. They're, they're still doing that. They're still timing it so it doesn't really make sense. But everywhere else, it still has the same effects. So people realize that, and I don't think it's going to change. No matter if you, even if you took away Decay, I think people will still find Viper oppressive. Not going to lie. Really? Because I think the mm. Viper would still definitely get played in some instances. I don't think it would get played on like Haven, for example, though. I, I, I just don't think it would get played on maps like Haven uh, or whatever so sure. <laughs> we did we did we, ball and i are not hearing like half your statements josh like when you talk it's like well i just <laughs> so i'm just like what is he saying i don't know what he's saying but i i feel like actually wait wait wait, wait. Though, kurt said we're pausing for a second yeah. hey we fixed that and now we're back so don't worry about it it's not gonna happen again hopefully avast you were about to butt in and say something about what your, your opinions on viper 
I was right on top of fixing that we're also talking about fixing Viper. And I, I honestly yeah. think I legitimately though something overlooked. I feel like this Viper change might if you are a Brazilian fan and this is going to be a patch that's played to Iceland, you might have a gr little bit more hope because when I watched the Brazil games, obviously we're going to talk about them later. I felt like they were still a bit behind the meta like at yeah. times. Um, and I think like maybe Viper getting a little bit less strong is going to be good for them, especially since when they see a smoke, they're just gonna be like, fuck it, me push me go through smoke. And so like, I think that's what's, I actually think that this change is like good potentially in the short term, but yeah, Viper's still really strong in her current state with the decay. <clears throat> there were also a bunch of other things in this patch too. I mean, if the, Vi if we don't think the Viper nerf is going to move the needle too much, but it's going to make it, you know, maybe a little less, um, must pick perhaps on every single map all right but there were there were some other changes too the, the an interesting one for me was okay they made some changes to breeze i think the this is just out. like adding a curtain above certain doorways a little oh. bit like they did on the haven garage did you actually make a like really interested <laughs> noise from that <laughs> from a tiny little curtain being added above a door cool change <laughs> shut up <laughs> This one is cool, though. The tactical timeout change, because this implies that they're going to um, coordinate this with a rule change for Reykjavik. Mm. So just to refresh everybody, the original rules for tactical timeouts that we've been using for quite a while in Valorant are that each team gets one tactical timeout per map, and it can only be 30 seconds. So they've now quadrupled that amount to two tactical timeouts per map, and each of them lasting 60 seconds. And for some reason, it freezes all player movements for while that's happening as well. So you don't just get like the players running in circles to try and give, not give away what their default is. Um, what do you guys think about this? I think there was a lot of people complaining about the fact that they freeze uh, because the timeouts, I guess they were mostly using them to get extra time to do their setups, uh, uh -huh. which that's I honestly weird. like, I, I think, yeah, they have to think a little bit more about it now so they can use it at the beginning of the round and they don't have to like run over different places. But yeah. I don't think there should be any extra time for setups. I think that's kind of busted cool. just to use a timeout for stuff like that. Um, I think we now have two per game per team, which I think we only had really one Yeah. Uh, for, for other things. So hopefully it'll be better. Hopefully, I, I think my biggest thing is that I'm hoping that now with it like really ingrained in the game, it's not just a like random pause match timer button that it very clearly says who has the timeout because that was my biggest gripe. It's cool. like, Somebody called the timeout. We have no clue who called the timeout. Mm. We have no clue how long it's going to last or anything like that. So now that it's built in the game, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a good change. And in conjunction with more uh, role for coaches. Uh, yeah, there's cool. actually a coaching slot in the game right now, and they can yeah. call tactical timeouts too. Yeah. So, mm, yeah. Makes sense. Okay, so they're integrating that with the coaches stuff where they can call the timeouts? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they well, haven't cool. confirmed that this is going to be part of the rules for Reykjavik, but why would they add it to the game right before Reykjavik if it wasn't, mm -hmm. right? So it yeah. just seems like it's almost certainly going to be the case. I, I quite like it. I mean, the, the narratives around tactical timeouts, I think, are quite cool. Like when you see a team take <clears> one <throat> and yep. then they make an yep. immediate strategic change, I think that's a very clear narrative uh, indicator that something's going very differently. Yeah, I think I'm, I mean, it's overall like a good change. I'd say I think the only big complaint is like Bala said, like, we just need a UI, uh, like we need useful UI elements about like what, who, where, like giving viewers information. Yeah. Who's calling the attack pause. Wow. We still have that issue with like a bunch of utility 
Yeah, so well, you talk about here. UI utility things. They've actually added extra stuff into this one as well. So remember when the um, when they said that they had color coded some stuff, but not for the observers. <laughs> well, now they've added it for the observers as well. So in oh, theory, there God. should be some color coding here yeah. um, that that like applies to observers as well. So yeah, the adjusted color of placeable utility on the minimap to match team color for observers. I don't know which utility is going to be colored. And I don't know whether it's going to look any good because it hasn't done so far, but maybe. I, I think it yeah. will. The, the, last time, the last time they had that change, it, we missed the fact that they didn't say on the mini-map. So like, I realized, especially I think we were doing the co-stream with, with Wyatt, I realized that it, it was colored tripwires in the game. It was like red. Yeah, like you would look right. at it. So it was there. We just like, it didn't really notice because Who by the time for that? Yeah. Someone, surely. Is, is that, was that something that somewhere. anybody might, needed? Might have yeah. been like a misunderstood. Like I, you know, I used to be an engineer. I would, I would do some stupid stuff where somebody's like, "Yo, we need this," and then I'm like, "Okay, I heard that," and then I make something completely different. That's probably <laughs> what happened. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think that was all that was included in patch 2.09. It was just some tweaks before we get to uh, Reykjavik itself. So yeah, I'm excited. I also um, one of the uh, one of the guys that works for Riot, who's been in our co-streams in the past as well, said that, I think he, he was in my chat and he said something like, there may or may not be a, a HUD or UI update for Reykjavik. So I think he's just trying to try, <laughs> trying to play play very, um, you know, not leak anything, but right. gives the, the idea that there might be some big graphical overhauls or like new elements introduced for Reykjavik too. And it's it's makes sense. There's the biggest eyes that are, have ever been on Valorant are going to be on Valorant right here. I mean... I think expectations for like 500k viewers would be pretty reasonable considering that 350k was what NA peaked at recently. So yeah, it's a, it's a big ass tournament. All the regions all at the same time, it's going to be big. I, I think that it'll be really, really rough if there's like UI desync and stuff like that, yeah. like the spoiling that happens, any of those bugs that that happens, like the spoiling was horrific at first strike. The Red yeah. Bull clutch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Um, okay, there's also a new game mode that they've added into the game that they said went live called Replication. Apparently, it's live right now. Have any of you gotten a chance to play it? No. No. Cool. <laughs> Neither have I. I'm, I'm saving my right. one time playing the limited mode for, for a future episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I think the idea of it is that you go into the game and you all pick the same agent. You, and you vote for the agent that you right. guys want. And everyone has to play it, though. Yep. Right? That is a game mode that I don't know who wants. Who, Once who again, wants who this? But, but it's funny. But it's a fun little game yeah, mode. It's, it's nice to just yeah, get, like, new being... stuff, right? It's better to get, like, it, it's better to get some, like, fun content than it is to just be, like, nothing. You know? I'd say. In my opinion. I agree. It's a limited time oh, game mode. dude. Are you it really... replaces Escalation. <clears throat> and it's... I think that if it just doesn't strike me as something that's that fun. Am I am I am I just the moaning old man in the corner here? Yeah, you're, you're just being a, a little being Scrooge a right mortal. now. That's but what you're doing. I'm gonna get the ghost of Game Boy's past. No, I, I I'm not I'm not one of the hardcore you. esports people that's like, why did they spend developer time on this when they could be <laughs> fixing the the, the crashing errors? Because those are totally different teams. You're an idiot if you say stuff like that. You don't understand how dev teams work in the slightest. And it's important to get casual players in the game. What I'm questioning is, if you're what I originally thought this was was like. Um, the, the, 
the Valorant version of URF, Ultra mm. Rapid Fight, where you just have all your cooldowns cool available at all times, and you're just sending shit off all over the place. Instead, you're just locked into one agent for a, a BO9 spike mode. Is that, is that what people are after? Is that the fun? Does that tickle the casuals? Yeah. I, I yeah. think it does. I, mean, I think you might just underestimate the amount of people who want, like, the Bucky only gameplay where everybody has a Bucky, like that, like Spike Rush, for example. And this one, everybody has the same agent. Like, there's a lot of people who hop on with their friends and they just want to, like, do something funny. You know, that that's basically probably a good portion of the people who play who play this game casually. It's just like yeah. and you gain on, extra ultimate do some points fun stuff. Oh, too, really? Right. So like you could. Yeah, they said you get extra ult points. So like if you imagine you're like in a 5v5, it's like a game with only killjoys. And then one round people pop 10 killjoy ults, you know, <laughs> like that's sort of like yeah, it was even enough. in the trailer where like it was like a sky game where everyone was sky. And then like everyone popped their wolves on the other team. So it was five like wolves running down <laughs> mid at somebody. So there could be like there, there could be fun moments. I think the cat like people yeah, can okay. get into like, you know, there's you're selling I, me I, on you, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think there's there's merit to be had there. Like, is it going to be the greatest game ever? Probably not. But will it be a fun little thing? Yeah. Yeah. Am the, I out of touch? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, it, it is, is the, the kids, kids who are wrong. No, all right, all right. I accept my status as the, the old boomer that doesn't understand what the, what the casuals want. Yeah, no. I, yeah, cool. All right. Pretty sweet. Um, we have now to step into the esports sphere and i want to i want to kind of lay out what we're, what our plan is for this show so last week we discussed europe and north america we talked about the teams that qualified out of challenges finals we talked about the teams that are going to iceland we still don't know all of the teams that are going to iceland because latam hasn't finished yet so crew is still playing against infinity i think that's happening literally today it'll probably be happening as you're watching this episode right now actually so if you're interested you can go and watch this it's it's to decide the final team that makes it and when we were doing our interview with sassy and sadak they really highly rated crew um, so there's a there's definitely Scrimbucks hype revolving around them. Um, and but this is in land too, in Mexico City. Oh yeah, cool. yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. This is in person because it's a, a Latam South team playing against a Latam North team. So they they went to Mexico. Um, the the plan for this episode though is to review the Brazilian and the Korean scenes. There's still Japan and uh, Southeast Asia. And then LATAM, which we'll do next week, along with hopefully doing a preview of like the actual matches that are going to be at Iceland. Because we still don't know the format, by the way. It's like two, it's less than two weeks out, and we don't know the format. Um, but before we get into the recap of Brazil and Korea, we've got some teams that have made changes. There's roster mania happening over in North America and Europe. So North America, we're starting to hear TSM. Big news coming out of the TSM camp. They, having already made the shift to... Take Cutler out of the uh, out of the six man lineup that they had. They're now making a coaching change. So Tailored is no longer with the team, who's been their coach since they began the team, basically. I think. Yeah. And and there's a report that they're going to be signing Chet, who was originally going to be signing with Envy, but then decided to take the TSM offer instead. Um, so a pretty big change here for a team that's trying to find their path. Yeah, it's always it's always tough to say what's really happening with coaches in the current game right now. I feel like, unfortunately, I feel like it's, uh, it might be easier to see from the outside what they're not doing and then make judgments off of that versus knowing what they actually do within the team. Yeah. 
like it's easy for people to say that oh well tsm are they they keep doing the same thing over and over that is losing them these rounds etc the strategy hasn't really developed they didn't really do anything interesting with astra well tactically is that do we associate that with coaching or what like where does that go you know and then i think a lot of people just kind of automatically place that on the coach where unfortunately yeah. uh you just don't really know but that being said it has been a long time now with the same six on tsm and they're just making a change yeah um i think it's reasonable to just try something new at this point yeah I think that I, I think that TSM does need somebody who will hold them more accountable in a sense. Uh, I don't know if Taylor was doing that. I don't uh, again, like why it's saying we really don't know, but I do think that they need somebody who will, you know, push them to do certain things and and think about certain like like I've always said it's like mentality thing. like think about how to improve that how to improve your, your momentum throughout games, not be as swingy for TSM. I think a coach can help with that significantly. I don't know if Chet is the guy to do it. Um, we know a little bit about Chet's coaching from, from CS and also NRG when he was playing, or when he was coaching for Valorant. Um, but, you know, who who knows? It could it could be that, that, that spark that gives them the extra ability to make uh, hurdles above their momentum and, and mentality issues, I think. Yeah, I was wondering about that too. Like, so because it seems pretty clear that TSM were lost in the sauce, like heavily, heavily deep in the ragu. So I'm wondering, like, <laughs> coaching like, seems like a pretty like obvious choice, you know, like to yeah. to put a pin some blame on because it wasn't like TSM's players are like bad and like they had like a you know poten like potentially still the best. Uh, opera in North America and like one of the best duelists and like they definitely have a lot of star power so when you watch them play and then we also used to praise the same team for the decisions they made when they're like I remember like way back like right when the meta started shifting after like first strike-ish I believe or somewhere around there and TSM was still playing some wacky like they tried their triple duelist things like yeah in the very in like the very early parts or end of 2020 I can't remember around what was happening and we're like oh wow this is really cool because like this is fitting their style and then, like, the meta continued to shift, and it's like, oh, wow, well, they're still doing the same thing, and they haven't, like, changed anything since then. So, and they just haven't, like, fixed any of their issues when it comes to their tempo, when it comes to the rotations, map control, yeah. like, all these things. So, it, it seems kind of easy to kind of put some of the blame on Taylor, even if it isn't Taylor's fault, right? Because that's, like, something you would associate a coach fixing mm -hmm. in a game like Valorant. And, but then the answer, then the question, the second question is, is Chet the answer? Because like NRG's had some more success towards the end of Chet's tenure, but was that Chet when they were also pretty mediocre with him for a long time? Yeah, that's very, it's tough to say. And, and yeah, I mean, that's what you're saying about TSM. It's like they have simultaneously managed to not change, yet they change in like appearance so every much. time we see them. Like the the physical comp that we see them running, the agents are are different. Yet nothing actually significant changes in regard to how they approach the game. Um, but yeah, in regards to Chet, it is it's 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 kind of like the same thing I just said. We I don't really know what he was doing with NRG. All we know is what they kind of what they were failing at, where they where they were missing the mark. I mean. They didn't have a lot of success with roster moves. 
They made a ton of transactions. They bought players that they didn't use. They ended up with their best roster now, partly because one of the players they signed was harassing a Tarkov streamer or whatever and got kicked. Yeah. So they, they also they like accidentally ended up getting an open slot and then could sign yeah. Android. Chet was presumably the person as well that bought Kotler out of his contract for a, a literal Bugatti yeah. and then put him on the bench almost immediately afterwards and had to go back to the organization I, looking for more money to sign another person. I, I did. I, I, that, I don't know. That's a problem. We don't know. Again, it's like I, I, don't, I don't know which decisions in regards to the roster he was making. And then past that, it took them so long to figure out how to approach the game in regards to what agents the players would be playing. They were switching constantly. They couldn't settle on anything. Also partly in tandem due to the roster moves. It took them ages, I think, to even get up to present day in regards to the meta. I mean, there was that long stretch of time where it's like, holy shit, man, they're doing the same things that we've seen all summer at that point in the ignition yeah. series. They were doing it in like late fall into the... It's like, oh my God, they're so far behind. So it's just... But again, what what if that falls on him? What if that falls on uh, you know their in-game leader, Daps? Yeah. What if that like where does I but, don't I uh, but when I don't know. And, uh, am I wrong with the timeline here? But it felt like when NRG started to get good, Chet left. I mean, they've been really they the best result they had was this last it was stage two, yeah, and he wasn't there, yeah, but yeah, but that doesn't like he might have but put in they some also of the had their best roster, yeah, yeah. So, but but I think the roster moves are the one thing that you really can attribute to the coach. Like, if if he's not making the roster moves, that is maybe more of an indictment of like their belief in him. Like, it's almost it's mm. the coach should be empowered to make roster moves like that. I I fundamentally believe that that is what should be happening on these teams. And if it's not, then it's a problem with the organizational structure. Your players should not be in charge of of what roster moves are happening on the team. I know that that was the way that it had been done in CS and stuff, but that is a bad way of building teams. It's terrible. Um, you end up getting in like, you know, clicks and people blaming each other and you don't have that objective view. And also you just, as a player, don't get to analyze whether the cost benefit ratio makes sense. Uh, whereas a, a coach is in that position talking to management and can make those kind of decisions. I mean, surely he was in position to make those. If he wasn't, then that's worrying as well because yeah. of all the different changes that NRG made, including bringing over players that well, were, had bad reputations or had large buyouts. I think that's like a really interesting topic and conversation in general, though, because you, you mentioned how CS was like that. But in general, the, the, the coaches are CS coaches who are very, very much friends with the team and the players and stuff like that. So almost there's no difference between a coach having the the say and a, and a player having the say because it's the same you know it's the same type of person doing it yeah maybe they have a little bit more conversation with the orgs and whatnot and maybe that's where it's going to move in the future but right now i think there's a lot of teams who came from cs players who came from cs who are adjusting to the new like orgs are focusing on really managing the rosters and stuff like that because there's probably only a very few a select few of those players who were actually exposed to like you know a cloud nine who was handling the roster from the from the coaching perspective or the general manager perspective or anything like that you know i think that's a super interesting topic yeah it it, it does worry me when the same coaches get cycled around from team to team and they just swap yeah, yeah, over exactly. and over and over it all this happened early in the overwatch scene and all of the players all of the coaches that ended up ro doing rotations like that eventually just got phased out and they didn't end up being 
the the actually good coaches that i mean there are obviously some that are going to go from team to team that are good coaches that end up just going elsewhere and having success but a lot of that swapping around seems to just be that the the your lack the lack of transparency into what really goes on from a coaching perspective helps in for career security as well because you can't yeah. tell when people are being bad as well as you can't tell when people mm -hmm. are being good um, so that obfuscation actually helps people continue their careers because if you're in TSM, you probably can't tell what Chet did for NRG either. You're just talking to the players and, and trying to get a sense yeah. of like but whether or not they really know what was going on. That's the thing. But uh, yeah, it's just tough. But from all you can really say is like from the outside, what did NRG really do during that entire stretch of time? Well, they were they were iterating, and they eventually got in the right direction. Yeah, just to, it took a long, yeah, a long and it, time. And I don't and even it involved the removal of Chet at some point, or removal, departure, whatever. Because I think at some point Chet did say he was he left NRG to look for other opportunities or something in Valorant and CS:GO. So I don't yeah. know really whose decision that was, but it, it feels I, like I think we that it we been. saw that. It, I think he tweeted like, "I've stepped down." Like, yeah. uh, and again, that's like, you, you really can't trust anything like that. Yeah. I, Mr. Chair, I, I would like to ask you to retire. I have now stepped <laughs> down. You know, that shit does really happen all the yeah. time. I'm not saying that yeah. it happened in this instance, but it really does. Like, you can't trust I, exactly what people say. on. I, I think what we've seen so far about coaches and, and like player interactions with coaches is that actually the, the players have had, like, especially when you think about T1, for example, and the whole fraud situation and the whole, like, all that stuff scream to me that the players are trying to get them to choose who their coach should be and stuff like that you know so yeah yeah it almost feels like you're you're right in the sense that the players still have a, a massive control and i think that makes sense when you talk about some of the like the personalities and and status of some of the players that are on all these different teams you know they can make demands at this stage of the orgs right yeah. because they, they're, they're just like that. They're good at the at where they're at, and there's not as many free agents anymore and stuff like that. So Yeah, they're big really brands hard. and they're valuable. To, to get mm -hmm. back to TSM, though, specifically, I do think it was necessary for them to make a coaching change because even if, even if Taylor is a great coach and the, the players were tweeting about it afterwards where they were like reaction emojis of being like, oh, I'm sad you're leaving, or I think it was... Um, I think it might have been Sabrosa, but I might have got the player wrong, who tweeted something like, if you want a guy who's going to commit all of his time to making you the best possible, then pick up this guy. So, you know, uh, a reference of dedication at the very least that Taylor had to the team. Um, yep. But I do I think that a coaching change was necessary because TSM did, lacked, they lacked vision. They lacked, a, 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 they needed someone to steer them down the right path and I think that kind of big picture perspective is something that a coach can bring and a coach needed to bring in this instance. Maybe Taylor provides a lot that would be useful for a different team because his focus was in a different area, but <laughs> TSM don't need that. TSM need a coach that can give them a, an overarching vision for their team of like, these are the things you need to focus on. These are the, this is the pathway we're going to play and this is how we're going to improve. Because trying out these bunch of different comps and still carrying on playing the old style and not really focusing on the, uh, the actual things that matter, which is your play between each other and your ways that you're playing the macro game, those are the things that are going to make you improve at least to a top tier two level, which they're, they're not even at that point at the moment. They're slumping further and further behind. I suspect these will not be the last changes we'll be seeing from TSM. 
this year, yeah. at the very least. The subreddit is popping off with like leaks of TSM's comps and I mean, stuff yeah, on Wardell's different maps. playing Sage and whatever's happening. But, yeah, people uh, just I, love <laughs> people love the idea of TSM people, making a redemption arc. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there. This ha every time there's a new esport, people whoever is on top at the beginning, they just get an unbelievable amount of of clout, dedicated fans. People love that first good team. It, it yeah. always happens. Um, I yeah, I don't think this is going to be the last moves. And if you're talking, I mean, I hate that I keep going back to the NRG thing, but when you're talking about they need someone with a vision, I mean, did NRG ever have a vision? I mean, no, I it looked so. like they were lost. The I, so I, I don't know. Listen, if 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 Chet can turn it around, that would be excellent because TSM being a good team is good for the scene and it's entertaining. Definitely. Yeah. So definitely. would like to see it. Yeah, I just don't suspect that it will be happening here. I I currently don't think that this is enough yet for TSM. I think they still have to make another change. I don't have faith. I'll, yeah. I'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah, one hundred percent agreed. I mean, but I do think we'll see Taylor likely end up somewhere else because, oh yeah, right now it seems tough to like because there there are not a lot of coaches in the game with like his accolades still currently mm -hmm. that has had like brand recognition. Like two ignition series, like, and then a second place in second first, place strike. first strike. Yep. So like you know, even though they're kind of like we're getting close to cave painting era history, <laughs> like it is still valuable assets and someone that has had a career. So it's very likely tailored will still end up somewhere else. And then we'll really get to see the judge, right? Because like when a coach changes, goes multiple teams, that's when you really figure out like, what is their contribution like generally? Yeah, because yeah. you can see like the performance of their teams and also not just the performance, but more so how do they look? How do they perform? How do they fix their how problems, right? Yeah, how do they change? And that, that's, I think this is like the true test for both Chet and for Taylor, wherever he goes next, is like, or were they just one? I mean, Chet, I, you can't even argue, is even a one-hit wonder yet. Like, he hasn't even had an album go platinum. Like, at least Taylor <laughs> oh, had like, some options. Uh, maybe in Valorant, in but Valorant. In, in, in Valorant, like... I mean, in Valorant okay. specifically, okay. not CS. Because Chet definitely has proved his worth. Yeah, yeah, in not, CS. not, not, in, not. We're not talking about CS yeah. though, because like it's specifically yeah. Valorant. Yeah. Uh, also, the. Um... The, the the real coaching shift is likely to happen with people that at the moment are not coaches. Like the, mm -hmm. the, if you think like two years down the line, three years down the line, the majority of the greatest coaches you'll see in Valorant are probably just dicking about doing other stuff at the moment <laughs> or they're players that have yet to transition into that role that the, or something yeah. like that. Or they're coaching some real lower level team at the moment and they just haven't quite got the experience or the... The whatever to become the great coach that they will eventually be it's quite mm -hmm. rare that the people who are coaching very early teams continue and get better and develop and, and get better and better and become the the greats later on there's just a natural turnover the same as there is with players but it's easy to tell with players when they drop off it's very hard to tell with coaches when they're not actually providing value yeah. it's really it's difficult. almost like at the beginning, you really the the players could be the guys who are really driving any sort of anything, Definitely. right? But until you actually bring a team from you know not doing well to very well, and you could already you could see that you're not necessarily learning the lessons that a coach needs to learn in Valorant at that point, you know. I yeah that that was an excellent point though, Vess, about you need yeah you need to see it twice, I think. Like there's a lot of judgments being thrown around about coaches uh, as it seemed so early it's just coaches on their very first team and there's a lot of uh blame being thrown their way when genuinely just there's no real way to know so that that should be just the rule of thumb 
The other, really? the other part of this as well is that presumably Chet is doing well when it comes to like coaching trials because the report was that he turned down an offer from Envy as well. So he's, yeah. you know, he's at least impressing players' management enough when he's doing short-term stints with. Yeah, teams. but Envy doesn't even have like a coach at all currently. No. no. So like technically, like who knows what that means? Because Envy's like, well, there's a coach on the market. We need a coach. And Chet's available. Like, and how many good coaches are there really out there currently that they know of, right? So, sure, sure, could um, be that now, situation. The, talking about NRG though, NRG are apparently also reportedly signing a coach, which is Josh RT, who used to be uh, a player. And I'm other people are going to be way better at describing his history than I am because I'm pretty ignorant yeah. of this guy. Um, what what do we think about this? NRG, I, I'm a, I think they've been coachless since. Chet left the team, and they've just been finding this recent success I, on their own. Well, he, similar I to think Envy. Josh has been, been with them. Oh, right. It's yeah. just been under the no, under, yeah, it's been behind darkness. the scenes. Right. Yeah. So at he, least that's the rumor. Yeah, that is the rumor that I seems pretty credible. So if mm. I remember correctly, he had I don't know. There, someone well, was, he was tweeting. He was tweeting. They were first... tweeting. Yeah. Okay. So he's been playing for a guy? long time in challengers, like or yeah. in the like open stages and stuff like that. So I don't know when he stopped doing that and actually started because in my in my mind, I, I honestly think I saw him in opens too, like the second to that because I've been following him. He's, he was one of my former teammates. He was an IGL from one of my teams. Like he's been mm -hmm. a guy who's been in the scene. I think this is going to be his first like major coaching gig. Um, but he was looking for opportunities in managing teams and stuff like that because every single team that he made had great play. Like he would scout the best players that were completely unknown and all of a sudden they'd get poached from him and then the teams that he's on like would, would yeah. suck because of that. That's gone forever. He was on teams called, or a team, he had this team called Prospects, which was basically just grabbing players and putting them in Premier and and doing well with them. They were always a middling team, and then they would get poached, and then the next season they'd do it all over again. There's been so many good players that came through Josh. Um, so, yeah, I think this will be good. Yeah, I mean, he was doing, this, yeah, well, he was doing the same thing in Valorant. Yeah, I think he has a proven track record. There were several well, that's good then. I mean, that, that's, sort of, that's so. the type of personality that you really want to see in Valorant in particular because of an emerging scene where a lot of it is pre-established talent that's come over and had a name and then just like got on teams early. It's good for both organizations and for players to get a personality that has a track record of actually building rosters that are not built on a previous brand and mm -hmm. like uh, notoriety because, you know, it's such an early game that there's still so much talent that is still waiting in the wings that hasn't had the chance yet because in the in the beginning, everyone is suffocated by just the big names and the large follower counts. And so Josh could be exactly what NRG needs and what Valorant needs, even if he doesn't stay with NRG, because he could be the start of like the swap of like, man, this Josh guy is kind of pounded <laughs> by just picking up someone with 20 tw Twitter followers and he's <laughs> 17 years old. And it's and like we have some guy that we're paying like $10,000 a month. That has a big name, but we haven't won a match in like three months. So like, yep. I feel like this could be like a really good shift if this is if Josh actually is gonna live up to the rep. Hopefully, yeah, I think he will. He's like a really smart guy. He went to like UMD for I don't I think engineering or whatever. He's been playing since like he was a kid, like four like twelve years old or something in Counter Strike. Like really, really just eye gelling, thinking really, really hard about the game. I think that his personality will actually fit more as a coach than IGL. Um, an actual player 
uh, because to me, he's always like a soft-spoken guy, not really assertive or anything like that. But as a coach, I think he has the time to really be that way. Um, and yeah, I think this would be really, really good for energy. I hope that Josh can really develop into somebody who's good because to me, it's a huge vouch all the way through. Cool. I mean, if he's already been working with NRG, they have in recent times been like actually completed that development that their team was, uh, that we were talking about previously, where they, they were lost for a long time and then found their way towards the end. Be interesting to know how much of that was uh, him versus Dapp's looking into the crystal ball and realizing what was going on uh, or figuring out his mechanics. You know, maybe they just taught them all mechanics. Fuck knows. Okay. Um, we also have roster moves happening. So not just coaching staff moves, but roster moves too. And the biggest one to be announced recently within North America is Exet, um, who have benched Weeded and uh, are presumably trialing replacements as well. So this, this, is a, this is a pretty significant move, I think. Not just because Weeded was... A pretty decent player but also i feel like we did's flexibility and the pocket picks he had opened up a lot of styles that xset used that were yeah. um the, that were a little defining to how they played also what is what is he wearing <laughs> is that an xset yeah, you don't like got, that you don't like the drift he's got the xset he's got the full is it a onesie no it's not yeah. a onesie oh not it's a, a hoodie he's got the, yeah he's just got the matching the matching thing on it's looks like the globo fine. gym purple bro. cobras though it's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit i like that uh, he's still repping the set even in his uh even in his thank you we did departure announcement yeah i think he he he, probably, he actually he did say something funny as well when he uh in his like stepping down thing yeah i think he just put in like hashtag rep the bench which is <laughs> pretty funny he's in good spirits despite yeah. getting benched hey, from his first I, hey i've used that hashtag before we did and i would we'd get along we'd get <laughs> along there as fellow benchers um i i think he'll be fine though i think he'll be able to make it on another team i, I think the bigger question honestly is what does this mean for exit is this a move they needed to make? What direction are they going in? JC Stani. Is that going <laughs> to help them? I don't know. I, I, the thing for me is that the problem with the team was not an individual question. It was what we talked about in the previous episode with them going out. It had all to do with how they approached their attack apps. They were just tragic. Um, they, they need help with that more than anything. So what can they do to fix that? Well, JC Stani is a free agent. He is playing the same role as we did. Has been IGL before. Has been in IGL, so maybe he can uh, help them with their attack sides. He can do a bit of calling in, in those situations. Um, that seems like it would be the move to make from the outside. Yeah. I mean, uh, it makes sense, but I don't know. Regardless, I I'm I don't I don't love that they made a move. Honestly, you don't think they needed to make a single move? I think now I is the perfect time for teams like Exet to make though. big moves. I I don't I don't I'm not a fan of big moves when the the problems are so clearly not to do with the roster and all to do with the approach. But I think and also I, a team like Exet has been able to make top four finishes consistently and they are looking for more than that and i think that even if you solve the strategic problems with exit they're unlikely to be able to still win a tournament in north america i think they're still like they're gonna get deeper and deeper but it does feel like there's a ceiling on this team in my opinion that it is not at the top of the north american scene 
perhaps, but was th is this is is we did being removed? What will make what will put them at the top? I, I'm scared. To me, to me, we did was the soul of the team. You know, he was the guy that I would have loved to have on on TSM, for example. He's the guy that keeps the spirits high. He's the guy that will clutch in the moments that you need him to. You know. He's, he's the guy that's vocal about the team and all, all sorts of different things. I felt like, yeah, BCJ was maybe the guy who was eye gelling and whatnot, but with we without we did, I I didn't I didn't think that there was an X set, to be honest. That, that's what scares me. So where where is the change coming from? Why is it being made? And how do they fill the gaps that we did in my mind clearly, clearly provided so much benefit to the team? Maybe it's part of a larger overhaul here for them. Like maybe Weeded isn't the only person that they're going to be changing. Because I mean, it is kind of roster moves are kind of more of an art than a science. And that like you're slotting around, you're trying to slot around players as you find them. And you have to start somewhere. And if you believe that Weeded, because also who knows how Weeded actually functioned like did, was Weeded's presence part of the reason they struggled on attack? Not because of his personal skill, but maybe because of like his comms or like what they provided. Like, you know, it's tough to to realistically say without being part of their comm structure, right? Because everyone can agree that Weeded was good enough to hold the top four level of NA at this point, but it seems like they didn't ever have, aside from like some burst of brilliance for like Purer and such, like it never seemed like they were going to be winning tournaments like Sentinels, uh, so or even like Envy. And when Envy has been playing really well. So, like, I don't know. I And then I get most lately version one. So, like, where do they go here is my question. We did being removed is one thing, but where do they go from here is I the mean, real question. I think the obvious thing that this is pointing towards is is JC Stani. I think that, that they're getting Stani. I, I feel like that's because otherwise, I don't think you make a bench like this without having a player ready to slot in. And yeah, I mean, the X set is an improvement over Immortals in terms of their recent results. And if JC Stani thinks that he can take X set to the next level as well, then now you're talking about a team that might be able to crack in and make some finals of tournaments or something like that, you know? They were already making the semifinals pretty consistently. Yeah, they didn't manage to in the most recent tournaments and they got beaten out by, you know, they, they kind of bombed out of Challengers finals. But they have been consistent apart from that. So I could see that being a, a pretty solid move. And it also, I think that X set even though Weeded's flexibility allowed them to, to change their roles around quite a lot, perhaps they want more of a focus on like, these are the roles that people want to play in order to solidify what their, their, um, their, their agent pools are, allow people to specialize a little bit more and get, get shit down. Because am I wrong in saying that Weeded didn't really play Astra for this team? It was Aaron whenever they played Yeah, it, it was Aaron, yeah, which was a bit Aaron. odd. He's, I mean, he played a number. I mean, he was playing Viper. He was playing Phoenix. Yeah. He was doing a bunch of different stuff. And, and, and Aaron that's credit was, to him, but also it makes the team a bit weird in terms of them having to swap all of their different roles around. And I imagine that that's quite difficult to, to get like a real structure going when that is chopping and changing so much. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think it's fair. Listen, I mean... I'm not opposed to them making a move. I just, I suppose I find it a little bit disappointing because I feel like there was so much room to grow outside of roster changes that we didn't really get to see sure. except in their original existence's peak. Um, because I don't, I don't think it's far-fetched to believe that they could be on the level of, or like, or like version one. I don't think that that's out of the realm of no, possibility no, given I the talent on that. the team. Um, 
their willingness to to um, put in work as to their approach to the game. I think they were just so off the mark in what they needed to fix um, in in the downtime between these last two tournaments. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm just yeah. more disappointed than I am like um, d disappointed rather than I think this is a bad decision. I think it's yeah. it's fine. Um, and I think that we did will also be fine and be able to make on another team, honestly. I mean, I think there's a number of teams that could use a, a versatile, solid player. Yeah. I I don't think they were off the mark when they were trying to make the change. I mean, when we talked to BCJ, it was like, it seemed like a really big focus was to try to change their attack halves, right? Was that not the, the impression we he got felt from like they, he, he He already felt like they did. That was uh, what he yes. was saying. And That's he true. did not. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have much more to say. Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. I, 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 I have one fine, question. Where, but... where is the, like, I, I, I know JC Stanny played with BCJ. Is that the main reason why we think that that's going to be happening? Or is it just the timing? Uh, well, the so time, it fits the their roles. Yeah, timing, really role. Well. There, there, like... there isn't another team that's necessarily looking for, like, the exact stuff that Stanny brings. And also... I don't like people were talking about people in my chat were saying like Stani to TSM or something. And that doesn't make any sense because Stani left Immortals of his own volition to get a better team for himself, to get a better deal and a better team for himself. The guy who's like deliberately becoming a free agent. That was a very specific, mm -hmm. clear thing that was communicated. It wasn't some bullshit. Oh, we've parted ways, you know, like they very clearly <laughs> said. I am leaving this team. I've chosen not to renegotiate and extend my contract. And fuck knows what's going on with the mortals as well, because they're having their own problems over uh, across the board uh, when it comes to like the Overwatch League and stuff, not willing to invest in, in talent. So I can't imagine the deal was particularly great. But going out onto the free market, Sani to me looks like he wants to go to a better team. And there aren't yeah. that many options. Like Immortals was still hanging around, like what, eighth? Something like that? Maybe, yeah, a maybe a little lower, but, but, sure. but they were still yeah, in the top now. 10. There aren't that many teams that you can go to that would be Better. attractive options. And I think Exet is clearly one of them that would be an attractive option. So I think it makes sense from both parties, the, the, um, the decision there, okay. which is why I, I, I think it's likely to happen. Um, but I, I'm not saying that I know it's going to happen because I don't, but it just does yeah, seem like yeah. the most likely outcome. No, I think it's, I think it's good logic. So leave it um, at that. Okay. While North America... Is anyone else a little surprised at how chill North America has been in terms of roster moves? I thought the shit would be blowing up. I really did. I thought that people would be fucking TNT, boom, on their whole rosters <laughs> yeah. if they hadn't had success recently. There's like a tier gap between Sentinels and everyone else. Why is nobody trying to invest in like a super team? I mean, they, they could be, but it contract? could just be a longer process, you know? I Also, I feel like a lot of these teams, because also in the current... From my understanding as well, and this started in the beginning of Valorant, is a lot of orgs currently view, especially if they've had some success currently, like it's one thing if you've been pretty mad for a while, like Dignitas, you know, or yeah. like, or like you've had like, uh, you know, if you've been a bad team, but like if you've been a team that's had success, a lot of these orgs currently view their rosters as like, this is a long-term investment. We're holding for a long time until we Double. actually see big movement happening. So if you have like a roster that you find is decent, 
then from my understanding, a lot of orgs are willing to just like sit on it a bit cool. because they there's just not a lot of huge reasons to make big moves currently because yeah, there's tournaments happening, blah, 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 blah. But you know, there's always those rumors out there of like, well, what happens if like we franchise yep. later, you know? Yeah, and like, yeah. well, do we want to like commit and spend all this time when we can like wait to save our movements later? What, you know, where is the scene going to end up right? Because they're still really in like, the the very beginning protozoa Definitely. stages of it so i feel like that's where a lot of orgs are at protozoa <laughs> yeah i feel like Christ. i feel like that's where a lot of a lot of teams are at is like yeah, they're yeah. they're willing to sort of sit there especially some of the teams that have already had success because like well we can take time to figure it out because what's the downside right like we mm. remain pretty good still get some return and then we just continue to wait to see what develops yeah 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 i guess that makes sense especially from the perspective of teams like 100 thieves and envy i just thought there would be more roster moves within like the you know the the developmental teams before that to really make a push to get to the top but i think it's quite there's difficult still time there is there's still time, time. There, there is still yeah. time they could be doing it right now we just don't know it yeah. could be happening well, that this is why i bring it up because it is happening in europe right now as well there are some major shuffles that aren't just happening within the tier two scene it's actually in the tier one scene that all of these shuffles are happening because teams are trying to... It seems like it all began when Carlos from G2 decided to drop the bag. And they're pretty much... It seems like the only organization that's willing to pay big money for results in Europe. Everybody else is, you know, trying to be a bit more conservative and like, we have a good team, we're going to sit on it, etc. And G2's just decided to throw cash around to try and get back to the top of the scene because that was their brand at the beginning of it. And so Nell put out this whole report, which wasn't, I don't want to say that it was like a, um, actually, I think it was Nell. It might have been somebody else. But he, he put out like a secondary report after his initial one talking about G2, which is like, here's the moves that we believe are happening right now. They're not confirmed, but these are the moves that are happening and being considered at the moment within the top yeah. European teams. There's and there's lot. crazy shit. There are a lot. I don't know if you can find the article, Kurt, but just going through the article would be, uh, would be just a fun thing to run through vaguely because not all of them are going to work out, but like starting with the G2 roster, there was a huge amount of stuff going on there. Um, mm. And that has now been pretty much confirmed oh there we go yeah here we go. here we go so this is the so the g2 roster <clears throat> they're, they're making these changes we'll go through the g2 roster later on as well because they're they've like a separate report that zeke and call the mentor are getting traded so we'll skip past this and we'll return to to g2 afterwards but yeah heretics shit is complicated artists and paditech are apparently moving over to heretics having left g2 and they're going to rebuild the team and like um what's the name of the guy as well that the the coach that's like a famous coach from cs that's been implicated with it as well oh bollocks i can't remember the name whatever um <laughs> but yeah they, they they're going for like a big uh -huh. redo too so this team could look mental like i don't i even mean know. yeah they're just i mean it it's it's essentially they just cut both teams in half and switch them over yeah, they're just, they're the old swap a room. Yeah, they just did a little flip. They just swapped some players around. I but mean, does this benefit either team? Here's my question right here. When you can see these two paragraphs on the team. So yeah. for anybody who's follow, trying to follow along at home, this would be a roster of Nookie, Avova, Mixwell, Pith, and Caldementa. That would be G2's roster. Whereas Heretics would look like Paditek, Ardis, Lowell, and who? I don't even know. Is that better for either team? 
I guess it's an I upgrade it's for G2. Upgrade. It's, it is an up, I, it's a, I mean, okay, it's an upgrade for G2. Their results this year have been bad, aside from that Red Bull tournament at sure. the top of the year. They haven't done anything in the actual uh, champions circuit, which is what matters. Right. Yep. So this is an upgrade for them. Will it take them to number one? Will, I mean, their, their goal, obviously, their goal is to be number one. The money says they want to be number one. They, yeah. They're trying to be the best team. I, I don't uh, think this does it. Is this going to do it? I think uh, this is close, and it I will put this... them in the running, but I don't think this does it as, like, super team. You're, you're, you've got... You've paid to win, essentially. This isn't a pay-to-win team. No. This is a still... lot of this hinges on Mixwell's success as well for this G for this new G2 roster. Because Mixwell, Definitely. like he's yes. he took, you know, he was at one point looking to be one of the best duelists in Europe. And people could have made the argument that he was the best potentially. But now he's he's just been struggling a bit, you know, and it's such an important role. So I feel like so much of this rebuild hinges on does Mixwell get back up to form? Definitely. Especially since Mixwell like has spent a lot of time on Raze and Nuki's best hero that he plays all the time is Raze. So it's like or not hero, but agent. Yeah. So like what's I mean, what I guess mean Mixwell's just rules, Mixwell's know? gotta be just playing Jet, I assume, for this roster. Because sure. either the Jet or they'll go way outside of that and maybe he picks up some of the supportive roles as well. Like maybe he tries to learn Breach or Sky if they want to play solo duelist comps and stuff, you know. Sage. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Back yeah. Or, or they just do he the used to typical play Viper. like NA thing where it's like he plays Jet and also Raze when Nuki's not playing Raze because Nuki's playing Reyna. You yeah. know, they could do that, that sort of flow yeah. chart as well. But this to me does not scream G2 are going to win. And when I look at the Heretics roster, it now just seems like Heretics is a bit of a mess. And frankly, I feel so annoyed that the situation within heretics got to the point where they wanted to explode their roster because over a larger time period like over the course of if you include the tail end of first strike up to now so like the last five months they've been the best team in in europe like they, they've had the most success they've had the most results they didn't make mm -hmm. it to iceland but neither did the people who were competing for that role of best in europe teams like fpx or teams like uh, who else is in that conversation? I guess Fnatic is now actually making inroads there. But this this team had serious, serious talent and a winning um, record too. And they just blow it up. The the crucial question there though is, would they have kept winning without Nisau? And I yeah, I don't know. I th I th I think yeah. that Nisau having to go was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah. I mean that I think that was kind of the that that marked the end days. Um, but I, I got on. the impression that Heretics was like a a we just got good out of nowhere type of team that as soon as they have a spark of you know bad results, I thought that they would implode at each other. I think that that was the feeling I got from that team mm -hmm. from from probably after after Masters one. Just immediately, I just felt like if anything went wrong, these guys were not sticking together because they all want greatness. It seems. Yeah. And it's it's also interesting just looking at the G two roster and seeing that like Coldement is going to be IGLing, who has only so far proven himself in one tournament, and we don't exactly know how like I, I mean I guess with hindsight like the the results in this most recent tournament weren't too bad for him, but I I still I I think it's the best IGL that G 2s ever had access sure. to for sure, but mm -hmm. I I don't know how he's going to be able to work with like you have two pieces from Heretics who like to play really contacty, and then you have people from G two who like to play very like aggressive on defense, yeah. and then you have Coldementa who like to run a bunch of really weird compositions. 
that's that's three very different styles that you're trying to mesh together there. The, finding an identity pressure. is going to be hard. Yeah, he's got pressure. Oh my goodness, Carlos yeah. lurking over top of him. This is like when the the failing businesses bring in the CEO to try to overhaul everything. <laughs> Goldo, that just got hard work ahead of him. Holy moly! Yeah, Two but Bone Cold talked him up. I, yeah, he did talk him up. I, I I find it weird though because he seems like one of those prep guys. And G two historically, at least Mixwell and everybody else seem like they're not so far into the prep because remember how they did decently this time was when bringing in Ozzy as a random yeah, stand in yeah. IGL and they were better than they had been before because I think that they were able to stay fluid. I think that's where G2 strengths lie, like Sentinels, for example, where they're just super fluid, super optimal. They just play, you know, very basic stuff and they win by doing that. So bringing in somebody who's more prep focused, strategy focused, tra tactics focused, yeah. maybe it'll work, but I, I don't know if they fit. Um, let's keep moving down the article, though. Well, I just wanted to... Oh, well, I just had one last note, because we didn't really say anything about the Heretics... Uh, with the Heretics roster, rather. Uh, my big question is, what happens with Artis? Because he was... If, if not for the existence of MW0, he probably would have been our number one player of, of 2020. 2020. And sure. he's been... I mean, he's just been quiet this year. He's yeah, just, he's been quiet, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I just... I'm not going to be dramatic and be like this is artist's last chance but <laughs> it does feel like he needs success here yeah well this this entire heretics team though you just don't know who's even going to be playing like they don't know if power is still going to be playing so are they going to need a sentinel replacement what role does artist even play does he go back to playing duelist does he kind of carry on playing like silver breach for the team apparently yeah. he didn't enjoy playing breach who the hell knows there's just so many things that still need to be yeah. answered about that we, we, we let's going. let's move down the article as well because there was a bunch of other stuff that was going on so ascend is the team that Coldementa was playing for the team that won masters one over in europe um and this article says this article was uh, like earlier in the week where they were saying that Starkso and Bonkold and CNED were maybe trying out for different teams, looking at different projects. And most the most recent report is that Ascend didn't want to sell any of their players, and so they've just gone for a straight up swap, called a mentor and Zeke. So Ascend is now just exactly the same team, but with Zeke instead of called a mentor, and Zeke is. Uh, Probably more, he's, he is more talented than Coldementor in terms of his rifling, I think. But he's not the same, like, prep guy, as far as I'm aware. The teams that he's called for have been very loose. And he didn't even IGL for G2. So I, this team is going to be dangerous, but probably not as overall good as they were in the past. Yeah, I, yeah. I just tend to agree. I, I I think Zeke is slightly unproven still. I mean, he had some decent games with G2, the Red Bull thing, and like he came out swinging with like a bunch of different agents and stuff like that. So I think he can fit anywhere. But in terms of like IGLing or anything like that, I don't think that they expect that of them. I think this is kind of weird for for a sentence. Like I don't I don't think that they have a real plan, given the fact that this report says you know Starso and Bone Cold are trying out for different teams, and CNET is also like gone. Apparently, like he's looking at a new project. Me, the rumor like is that he's going back. Money, you know? What's that? They're, they're going to make a lot of. It looks like they're just trying to cash out. But they're not. Well, That's no, what I'm because saying. they're not trying to sell their team. Their players. They, they said they after this report, there was another report that came out saying they're not oh. going to sell those players. So even though they were looking for different options, Ascend didn't want to sell. They wanted to keep the same team, but with Zeke. So it is just yeah. going to be the same roster. Uh, there was mm -hmm. more stuff about Alliance there, but they've just been chilling in like the tier two level. So they yeah. just. 
what cadaver left and they were trialing somebody else recently but i don't think that's a major move uh was there anything else in that article there was speculation about like a oh well oh, oh right well nip with jd oh right yeah I and mean, that's yeah pretty significant well, i don't know where jd's gone because jd was cracked yeah. jd was like playing on 70 I mean, ping destroying surely. everybody for nip but where's he gone there's no other team that like where is he going heretics fpx <laughs> jesus oh. you're, now you're broiling <laughs> fpx into this i uh, no, pure, I, 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 no 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 i i saw no I, it's not pure no? speculation well, okay, so it is pure speculation, <laughs> but but I saw no it's no not no your listen, pure speculation. I saw that the streets were talking. Okay. I was seeing oh, the people, streets. people, Movement people in the streets. Yeah, people have been discussing that JD, JD off of NIP, but he was so good. Why mm. would they? The surely, a, surely mm. a better team. Better right? than NIP. Only a few. Only a few. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I'm, I'm just Crazy saying, I've speculation. heard... speculation. Uh, it is, but that's... Yeah. It seems like it's not impossible. No, no. And there's yeah, another... Sorry, totally what are you implying? Because I'm pretty sure I'm on the wavelength, but I, I, I don't know. The streets? Uh -huh. what, what are you implying? What are the, the gambit? When you I'm, put your... I'm saying I've seen people saying that... The little Timmies that hang around people's streams and what? No, 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 no. Say it, bro. <laughs> what do you mean? No, I've just I've been seeing talks out there in the ecosystem. He's just putting his ear to the street and, and listening to the, the movement. Listening yeah, to the no, ground movement. I've been seeing talks in the ecosystem about JD going to FPX. You mean on like Reddit? Oh, I'll say no more. I won't reveal my sources. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Nice all guy. right. There's just absolute nonsense from. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, no. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see, see what happens. We'll see. They definitely could. They definitely could. Um, yeah. So we've already kind of discussed the G2 Ascend swap as well. Basically, shit's just going crazy in Europe right now, and we'll we'll wait for it to settle. Um, and we'll kind of, I guess, once the teams that announce their rosters, we'll go through them and say like whether we believe those were actually good changes to make. Um, as for FPX, though. I really think that the, the FPX one is an interesting discussion, and I know that you don't want to talk to them. Yeah, you said previously you don't want to talk about FPX. You've already broken. Until they've made, I said I didn't want to talk about them until they've either broken the the curse mm. of of choking or they're making moves. Right. Okay. Well, like if they were just winning games with the same stuff, I don't care. Well, they have made a change recently, yeah. a coaching change. But more importantly than that, I think they need a trip to the doctor's office. Mm. I think it's very important that we assess the state of the pros <laughs> on FPX. And so it's time for our next segment, probably a recurring segment, which is the pro state exam <laughs> of FPX, <laughs> where we, we're going to get real deep inside a team uh -huh. and we're going to try and figure out whether the four brains of the medical profession here can really get to grips with what's been uh, troubling these teams. <laughs> so first of all, if I'm to put my finger on it, what's the problem? In well, it, in it. Yeah, not on it, in it. it yes, if I'm to put my in finger it. in it, what's the problem? <laughs> I mean, so the, 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 the problem is they just have, they have a case of the choke. Yep. They, they just, every Seriously. time when they make it deep in an important tournament, it looks like they're on route to winning. Airways they've been, blocked. They've been called things like unbelievable. 
And they are. And yep. then they fail when it matters most. Yep. So mm. if we're to look at this, where's the first place that you would begin? If you have a team, genuinely, if you have a team that's choking, how do you address that problem? It's one of, I think it's one of the most difficult problems to actually address in a team scenario. And from the outside, it feels almost impossible to tell where that issue would stem from, what the problem is. Let's look at the symptoms first, I think. Is it their macro play? Is it their micro play? What ends up devolving? To me, it's a little bit of both, but the most obvious thing that happens is their, um, their micro, like the player's not actually playing as quickly, playing as coordinatedly, and just hitting their shots in the same way that they seem to in, in normal games. Is that, is that fair, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah, I think you will often see the players not hit the shots they typically would. Um, I also think that when they get thrown a curveball in some of these games, like against Liquid, for example, with their comp on Haven, yeah. they struggle in the big games to adapt in real time against yes. things like that in the in the big mm. scenarios in a big game like that. Yeah, I think if in scenarios where they have to play the, their opponent's game instead of their own game, they do tend to really uh, plump out. I'm thinking again about like the bind matchup against Summon FC when it came to sure. uh, for, uh, mm -hmm. first strike, when that was like the big choke where they lost 12-4 or something after battering them on the map previously. Um, and it just felt like whiffs from individuals not all the time but just in some crucial moments and then also a, a macro strategic inability to adapt their game so for me the first person to look at there is angel because he's providing leadership in game he's providing that like IGLing adaptation too if angel was the cause of a problem what you fucking giggling at my glove what this, this is, is a medical instrument it's a medical glove nothing funny if, about it if Angel was the source of this problem, let's say theoretically, Angel is the reason that this team is choking in big games. Sure. To me, it doesn't make sense to say the solution, the diagnosis, Angel is the problem. The prescription can't be to surgically remove Angel from the team because you also lose all of the great stuff that Angel provides. You're not the team. You aren't FBX at that point. You're, you're just a random collection of players. Is that agreed as well? That you actually can't just straight up remove Angel if he is the problem? No. It's, uh, he is like when I had doubts about whether we did as a solvest team. Angel is FPX. Without Angel, there is no FPX in my mind. Very, very obviously. Yeah. So, no, you can't do that. I would point to the inexperience of other players to help Angel with his burden because right. it feels like. He has so much on his shoulders. I haven't, you know, we haven't got a chance to talk to any of these guys or anything like that. Um, and there haven't been serious interviews done. But I feel like there's a lot on Angel's shoulders. I feel like everybody else right now is not necessarily sure of how to help him, especially when it comes to big moments. Sure. Also having someone, I mean, when you check the charts, you know, you get you when you look at the brain waves and the sleep study here, I feel like they uh they need someone to help ease, like you talked about, the burden for Angel, but also to help them all reevaluate maybe their macro game. Like, and when they get in situations where, like, if Angel's the one doing all these things, it's tough to be extremely flexible and a fragger and the IGL with how you approach the game in a macro sense. So they need someone potentially to help them be more, to think about the game differently in terms of how they adapt, like mid-round and mid-game, 
because they're probably so reliant on like Angel sits in the lab cooking up something all night and then they get into the match and then when you come up against like a Gambit or some crazy strat, then they're like, oh man, like what are we doing against this? We're just going to try to keep running what we've been running, but that's not going to work, right? So they yeah. need a second opinion. You know, they need to go to a second, a second practice. A second well, thankfully, they have four opinions here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need, they need, they need multiple opinions. They need someone else to help Angel figure out like what, what is going to be our adaptation, right? How are we going to think about the game differently than just we're running the strat? This is like our comp, even though we swap our comps plenty of times. When they run into these walls of like these guys are playing differently than we played before, and we have like nerves popping up, they need mm -hmm. someone to to help them think about before the game's in it, like a coach. Uh, ideally to be like this is what we need to be thinking about and how do we adapt i, I don't really think we should like I, I i don't i can't point to anything specific that in these games there is tactical like mistakes or anything like that it feels like there's you know stuff called and then when they get to it they you know they forget to check a corner they forget to look up for a camera or somebody misses a shot it's stuff like that it's not like he's making massive blunders i think maybe like one time you'll see you know, a complete missed call on a rotation or something like that. Well, that's the, what I mean. Someone things... to help them think about, like, to refocus on their basics when stuff changes, right? It's not about the things they do right. It's about the things they do wrong. And the things they're doing wrong are, like, the basics that are missed because right. a variable's changing. I, I think that that doesn't come down to, like, the, the, the ideas or anything like that. It doesn't seem like there's a... a... FPX has never been a team that does not have a wealth of ideas, is my point, basically. Yeah. It no. is about somebody who can help everybody buy into the ideas as the adjustments come because you angel's experience he knows how he like maybe he's had a history of choking all over all, throughout his entire career but like he's still making calls and trying to make the right plays making reads and all of that that when when you get into these situations in igl you're you go to overdrive right maybe that's a problem but also you have to have somebody else who's there to help you buy help everybody understand the ideas help you know them be like yeah this is the right idea Rather than he makes the call, nobody says anything, everybody's nervous, and then they go into it half-assed because they don't fully believe or they don't fully get the idea. Yeah. I, I noticed that something that happened in their most recent tournament run, which I, I've noticed a little bit before too, is that Angel tries to take a lot on his own shoulders in terms of proactivity as well. Like if when they were playing in these games where, for example, against Team Liquid, when they realized that they needed to be more proactive and be more aggressive against uh, Liquid and find timings, find opportunities to like uh, entry and pushing to areas. It was a lot of Angel doing that. And that's partly because he had swapped his role over to being like the duelist player in a lot of these comps. But he was just trying to kind of force it his, his, himself. He was just trying to take sometimes unfavorable duels to brute force his way through scenarios instead of relying on his teammates to be able to create opportunities in the rest of the map. And that might be because Angel gets antsy and goes for that, or it might be because there's a bit of a lack of proactivity on the rest of the team when it gets to these big pressure scenarios. People yes. don't want to step up and actually like do that kind of shit, which I could believe both avenues of that too. But to me, the solution, you can, you can have a lot of conversations about the diagnosis, but whatever the diagnosis is, I don't want to see FPX make roster changes. I don't know whether this is a, 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 a controversial point because you're talking about like them bringing in JD and stuff like that. I don't want to see any roster changes with FPX. They have a fantastic roster. I want to see them work on the hard shit. They've got all of their game down apart from the really tough shit when it gets yep. difficult where 
those kind of improvements need to come internally, I think. I'm thinking to like Astralis in CS, where there was that breakthrough where they're just able to figure out the mental portion of their game, and they were dominant after that for a large period of time. I feel like FBX is that kind of team that's waiting to be dominant. And it's yeah. not about making a, a roster move. It's about their yeah. players either gaining experience or getting a, their mentality fixed, whether that's a mental coaching or whether that's just them figuring it out themselves. Um, and I think the coaching change that they've recently done might be a good thing as well, potentially. I, it's There's clearly some kind of change that needs to be made. And it's one of those situations where I trust the internal... Um, the, the people on the inside to make better decisions than the people on the outside in terms of what the solution genuinely Yeah, I, I definitely tend to agree. I don't want to see a roster move either. I mean, realistically, if you look at it, it's like, who would you want to take? There's well, no reason to who change. Would you? If, you, if you brought in JD, who would you change? What, uh, what do you I, even do? I, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to change anyone. I really wouldn't. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I tend to agree. I think it needs to come from the outside. I think it needs to come from coaching. I think it could be very beneficial for them that coaches are going to be more integrated into the game, having an additional voice that can step in if things are starting to look shaky or yeah. if players need a mental reset. And potentially, I mean, I know they have Josh, a lot. Josh, got... do you need a mental reset? <laughs> i got a piece of grit in my eye. You okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. Do you need to call an actual doctor? <laughs> <You're okay. laughs> um, Just, why? You got to put the glove on and, and yeah. go to work. Yeah, get an injectable <laughs> leather glove. I... Uh, I mean, I know FPX have a number of staff as well. Like, I know they have coaches, assistant coaches, analysts, Waterboy, Masseuse on call. I think they only had two coaches. I think they had Jonta and I think they had uh, Doombros. Doombros. I thought they had had like seven They have a general manager, Pekka, as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Pekka? I'm not sure. But they they seem like a team that would benefit greatly from uh, like a sports psychologist or, or someone... Uh, in in that field to help some of the the younger players, I think specifically, um, yeah, feel more at ease in, in these I, yeah. pressure situations. I think the coaching slot definitely could help, um, but I also wouldn't. I like I'm I'm the opposite of you guys. I wouldn't mind a player change. Like I'm not mm. necessarily like fully sent on the idea, but when you reference Astralis, for example. There were there were slight player changes here and there. One person getting swapped out um, every once in a while until they finally found that team. Cool. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like they completely didn't change anything. What um, would you go for yeah, then? Let's, yeah, let's let's have yeah. that talk then. I'm you know, Shao is somebody that I would think of um, as you know somebody who you know it's not that he's bad or anything like that. It's just like we need somebody else to come in with with some new attitude or opinion or something like that. Those minor things that a different player brings, a different look, a different voice, all that stuff really does can make a difference. So and I you think have maybe Shadow Shao, kind of maybe the... Demasic, maybe Zippon. I think that those guys are... are... Yeah, see, I any, love... Any of them, to be honest. It's not I... like one guy is the god, right. except for Angel on this team, you know? Yeah, and even Angel has his issues. It's just that he's impossible to replace, right? That's the right. thing. The other players, it is possible to replace them whilst keeping success high. I think that... I think that when I think about like the choking that happens in games, Zipan is definitely one of the players that I think of, but his peaks are so high and he's such a young player that I really would hate for them to give up on him. I Same. and I don't think it's deserved to give up on him either and try and just replace him with another uh 
crack duelist or whatever because Zipan's been like his peaks are phenomenal. He's been at his peak, best duelist player in the region by a long shot, probably the best rifler in the world. Um, he's also been able to demonstrate recently that he's not just the raise one trick, you know? He's been able to mm -hmm. play the Sage for them as well, and I think he's played some other stuff too. I can't exactly remember. Oh yeah, he played the Rainer, right, of course, because he got the 523 ACS Rainer game on Icebox. <laughs> Literally the yeah. highest ACS anyone's ever gotten in a pro match, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, the guy is cracked, but like... Yeah. You're right, though. There has been moments where it's like... like I remember the Ascend semifinal in Masters 1 where... where that that I saw so many times. I'm just like Zipan, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, and also yeah, I think Shadow, sorry, Shao is one of the players where I think the proactivity in big games is probably a, a or at least could be an issue, um, mm -hmm. because he's another player that actually does seem to, I don't know, I guess get his when it comes to the big games. It's not like he he chokes. He actually had some big <laughs> moments in the most recent games. Clutches. But yeah, but says that in comms. Yeah. Got mine. Got mine. <laughs> got mine. <laughs> but I but I yeah, maybe a bit more proactivity is required in the way that Meadow was changed out for Dimasic and there was definitely much more proactivity around the map from that change. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is a thing that might want to be addressed from Shadow or Shout. It's so yeah, but nobody deserves to, you know, they, they all yeah. very good on this team. They all bring something yeah. at some point, you know, that is yeah. very, very tangible. Literally every single player on this team. I think I'd want them to stay the same still. I, I think the doom bros, like the swapping out of a coach here, because we don't well, know what see. their practice is like, is the thing. And we're dealing with a lot of inexperienced players. So to me, having a coach that changes like potentially how they practice, right? Because what if they're in a situation where like they're dominating scrims, like they look at like a very dominant team and then they get to a match scenario where they start choking and the situation there should just be, we need to be making sure to practice our fundamentals constantly in scrims, right? Like even when we're up, even when we're playing against something different, we need to be checking these corners. We need to be playing like calm, cool, collected type of situation because practice is what takes you over to the matches. Like you're establishing good habits. Yeah. So real, so I could be of the opinion that maybe FPX had like i don't know exactly how they practice right but there could be a situation that since they're always like very dominant for stretches and then they kind of collapse towards the end maybe they they're not keeping good practices and the good practice habits they're not keeping like very consistent uh uh pretty much habits of like how are we dealing with the fundamentals because we're winning all of our scrims right like obviously mm -hmm. we don't know that from the inside out but that's where i think a coaching change could make a difference for them and being yeah. more integrated like wyatt talked about because if you have all the talent and you have not the results you want, but results, like still very solid results. It's in that there is a foundation to build upon there. And it seems like you just need to fix fundamentals because that's what the team is lacking. And that's where like a coach comes in more so than player changes. Sure. Well, I think that was an extremely successful doctor's appointment. Uh, FPX, they entered the doctor's office. We failed to diagnose any of their problems. We offered no solutions. And our primary recommendation is don't make any changes. So, <laughs> that to me, that to me is a successful pro state exam. I, I think that's, I think that's extremely Looks successful. Good. Looks think, good. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're just. The thing is, though, they might just be one breakthrough away. You know? I think they are. Yeah. They, they just need to, they need to break through the mental wall one time. You know what you're sniffing there? That's copium. You're sniffing the FBX copium. No, I don't think so. No, I think that's. 
No, that's very reasonable. That's, that's it's like not, a, it'd be yeah, very yeah, different for other teams, but FBX is reasonable to be of that opinion. I, I, I like it when Lauren, when, when you go from, I don't want to talk about this team, I don't want to see them at all. They made a change. Yeah, yeah, just one they break. Made they made a change. change. That was all that he needed. Yep. He just needed one tiny coaching change, and he's like, yep, I'm back on board. I'm back on board the FBX. Oh, Doom Bros promoted? <laughs> Okay, top one. Let's get into the meat of the podcast one hour in. We're going to talk about Brazil and Korea and the teams that actually made it over to Iceland. Let's start with Brazil. So it's Vikings, it's Sharks. If anybody hasn't had the opportunity yet to go and look at the back chat episode that we just published on Monday, please do. It was a really, really interesting look from Sadak and Sassi, who are the, um, the two players that speak the best English uh, on Team Vikings. And they were kind of talking us through the Brazilian scene, how they've been able to stay a real tier ahead of the competition within this year. Um, and their win in Masters 2, uh, sorry, their win in Masters 1 and Challengers Finals now in Brazil. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't get a chance to speak to the Sharks guys, but uh, yeah, let's kind of go through this. I want to start with Vikings. I want to kind of work our way from the top down. We'll probably only talk about the top four teams because there does seem to be a pretty significant tier break between the top four and the bottom four. But let's start with Vikings. I want to know just straight off the top, how good do you think these guys are? After watching these games, after talking to the team, looking at the Brazilian scene, comparing them to others, I've done a pretty deep dive this week into Brazil and I know that you guys have as well. How good do you really think this scene is compared to the rest in the world? I'll go first. I mean, I'll go first personally, too. I think Vikings look, well, since we're starting with Vikings, I think Vikings <laughs> look really cracked mechanically. But honestly, when I was watching up their matches, it, this, like, they kind of did some, some, mis like, running their head into the wall with certain executes a lot. Particularly if you watch the grand finals versus Sharks, they, like, their ascent, they kind of just ran the same execute on a like 20 times and i was like ah you know like uh. so per, i think vikings know their mechanics and a lot of the looks they look beyond ascent because I, I didn't the rest of their maps they looked amazing and also one good thing for vikings here they seem kind of ahead of the meta compared to a lot of the teams in brazil and that they're actually utilizing like astra and yes they're yeah. trying to like use agents that are kind of a mainstay now in europe and north america so I actually think Vikings are definitely a bit ahead of everyone in Brazil. Obviously, they just won, but even more so than just that. Like this team, to me, looking at the international stage and where they're at, they look like the most prepared to compete and like even win. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the most, they're definitely, in regards to personnel, they're the most well-rounded team in Brazil right now. I, I think every player on the team is excellent in their spot. Um, which, I mean, it's, it's hard to find that in any region. So that's already a huge advantage for them going in. But they're also the most well-rounded in regards to their approach to the game and their game plan. It, did, it definitely did help them that they were playing a bit more Aster and Viper than the rest of the field. Probably could have even played more than they did, but perhaps they'll take us there by the time we get to Iceland. I suppose we'll see. Um, I am personally, I, I am really impressed and I have very high hopes for them. I think that they should be making a really deep, deep run. If not making the grand finals, um, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could win either. Yeah, I think I think that this uh, it's really hard relationally to to look at the, the different international stages and whatnot. But I I, I agree with you guys. Um, this seems like a team that has broken through the duelist heavy 
uh, focus in, in Brazil. And it seems to me that the play style has fallen off of that, you know, oh, Brazil is so aggressive. Like Vikings seems to be a team that breaks that mold more so than anybody else, where to me, they seem like a mix for the NA guys. It, it feels like a mix between Sentinels and 100 Thieves, almost, the way that some of the, the plays end up working out, the way that Stacey plays, to me, is reminiscent of how Hiko plays with a little bit more aggression, especially when his team is up in the business. But uh, yeah, I think they can make a deep run. I that's, that's that That is, even though we're all saying it, that still is kind of a hot take because we literally have no clue. Um, I When you say they're deep, they are deep because... Every other Brazilian team is top heavy in their duelists, right? Whereas here you have Sadhak who could play the the killjoy. He could, he's the sentinel role. He plays Viper sometimes, and then you have you know Sace who's playing um, Sova and Suitcase is what I'm going to call him. <laughs> I, 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 I love saying Suitcase. For is, that not, is, that, it's is, so that, is that not no, his name? No, no right. definitely not. It's so uh. wrong. It's so I'm a fucking K Kona suitcase. It's just... It's, it's, I, I legitimately thought that the, was supposed to be his name. It's so Sutekas. Like, oh. Sutekas, yeah, Sutekas. Uh, but no, he's suitcase. Like, okay. like, like much deeper. And I honestly think that, like, um, I don't know how to say this guy's name either, FRZ and GTN, like, yeah. these guys are not necessarily the, the best on the team. They're very, very good. They fill the role very well. But it feels like every single player has something to contribute. And I like the fact that they're not top heavy in their duelists compared to everybody else in Brazil. Yeah, they are a well-rounded roster. I think FRZ's got some nasty aim, though, as well. Him yeah, playing he's... much more Phoenix here. He feels, you know when you were watching Prime Drone and it just felt like every time he had his ult, he had an aim bot. And he just, he was running around and just boom, just straight yeah. on someone's head. Boom, straight on someone else's head. That's what I feel like when I watch FRZ, where he's just... When he has ult, he's fearless in his entrying, and he has such incredible flick aim that he just opens up rounds for them in, with that. You know what this team is actually like to me right now when, I, when I'm watching? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess very specifically as well, rather more specifically, when they run the, the uh, Rays Phoenix, yeah. they feel like Envy if Envy were just beyond their realized potential. I really? Feel, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, they do play similar comp, actually, because they, they play the Rays Phoenix pretty much everywhere. And they play a very similar um, map control game on defense built around the Rays and Phoenix, often taking areas of the map, comboing utility together, playing off the uh, whatever they have, the Omen on some yeah. maps, like if it's a Sun, etc. I actually think that's a pretty good example, actually, um, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I, 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 genu I do have very high hopes for this team. I could see them. Did you? I could see them winning. I, 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 my bladder was about to burst, so That's what I, I said when you ran were... away. Did you say that you expected to see them in the grand finals? I think they could. I think they could absolutely be in the grand finals. Because I, while I did originally think, like I've been saying for what months at this point, that Brazil could really upset people in the first international tournament, I don't think I would predict these guys to be able to make it to the grand finals. I, th I, I still think I, that I agree with you there, actually. I still think yeah. that sometimes when I'm watching their so let's when I was watching like their their um, their map pool as well. Their map pool is extremely good. They don't really have maps that they ban very often, uh, or rather they they don't have a perma ban map, right? 
But the whole of the Brazilian team essentially doesn't play split. So that is just a big old question mark for me. The the one time I did see Vikings play split was when Sassy was playing Sky and it looked amazing. Like they were so aggressive and proactive with it and they just looked phenomenal. But that was what they've played split once this year. So that is not a large sample size by any means. And it seems like everyone just bans it within Brazil. So that is a complete unknown to me. Their bind, I don't think they're going to be able to beat either of the um, European teams, even though I think their bind is pretty good. I just don't think their attack side looks good enough to be able to pull it off. I think, going back to what Avas was talking about, about the, um, the kind of running their heads into a brick wall a little bit, I feel like they're definitely, they're definitely very good in their attacking halves, but it feels like some of their executes are... When I was watching them on bind particularly, this exec that they do constantly on B, where they put down the Viper wall, every time they put down that Viper wall, they're going to be hitting B. And they're going to be hitting it in the same way where they have the, the, the poison orb towards the back and they push into the site. And I think that, that this, these kind of tendencies are going to be easier for top European and, and Sentinels to read. And I think that's the only competition that they really have at the LAN is the top EU teams and Sentinels. Like, I would expect them to beat everybody else. Um, yeah. But I don't... I think it's still going to be a tough ask for them to make the grand finals. I think they'd be, have to be playing on their A game to be able to pull that off. Because, um, yeah, I, I still think that there's some... Um, some readability in terms of how they're playing. But I definitely think they're a tier one team coming into Iceland. Yeah. I, I think that the the like executes and stuff like this, I I wasn't really honestly paying too much attention to them because like I said, it felt so much like when I watch Sentinels, I, I don't watch for their executes, right? They they win sites because they get the picks early on, they get the advantage early on, they make they force rotates and stuff like that. They break all the utility. This to me seemed like Vikings was very much focused on that sort of thing as well. So I when when they have something that they do often doesn't actually bother me because it's everything that leads up to that that's slightly better sure um, yeah I, I, did... I do think i agree with the fact that you know against the the liquids and the fanatics i just don't i i don't think that they're ready i don't think any teams are ready for for that on bind everywhere yeah, else i feel like I bind we'll is just okay. I think but their bind is just too good, the European teams right now. Because what they're the playing here is a pretty... Oh, here's the other thing, though, that I really liked. The Astra play coming out from, um, from Vikings was very good on bind. And the European teams don't play Astra on bind. They play mm -hmm. it with the brim. And that has its own benefits. The, the smoke execs are, are very good. The molly's useful for both defense and their angles and for post plants. But what they were doing with their... Astra utility on defense against sharks was really powerful. And it's clear that they've put in a lot of work to combo it nicely with uh, GTN. They were often trying to hold back sharks from execing out of showers with the poison orb, and then they'd put down an Astra slow. And then they'd also, then Sassy comes along and ults them as they exec. And then Sassy just gets a kill, two kills off the back of his ult because. They're forced to use that timing to exec. They can't wait out the Silver ult because they've already waited out so much extra utility from the from the Viper and the Astra. So I think that's mm -hmm. a really nice quirk that is is not really ahead or behind the meta compared to EU. It's just a different take on it, running the Astra in this comp. 
Yeah, I yeah. I agree. I, I I think that yeah, I, I felt more confident in their play on their defensive halves mostly. I think that they play an excellent defense. I think they yes. have really they play the map control game really well, but they also just have these blowout defensive rounds where they just all in on one part of the map. They're and a just scent nuke defense. The team. Yeah. They're, they're a like scent defense sure. where they just run down mid yeah. is explosive. Yeah, they and it they conditions a, you to be fearful as the attackers, I think. And that is really gonna mess with I, some teams' heads. Yeah, that those are the type of plays that I don't see other teams doing. Those are the type no. of plays that other teams even if they are prepared for them, they haven't if they're prepared for them because they watched it, it's different than being prepared for it because you've actually played against it and experienced sure, it yeah. and will understand when they're going to go for that kind of play. Um, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you, where, do you, where do you guys think they'll end up? I, I think that at the very least, they should finish in the top four, but I could see them, as I said, I could see them making the grand finals. I think that they have the depth and player skill to absolutely do it. I think that they have the depth in, in regards to their strategy. I think they have a nice approach to the game. Um, I I can see them going very far, but what what do you guys think? Top four, I think, is a fair assessment. My my one concern still is like personally, I actually had a slightly different opinion than you ball on like their map control game early on offense. On defense, I agree. Like they have their crazy defense aggression, but on offense, I feel like a lot of times they the only reason they had any sort of advantage was because like especially versus like sharks in the grand finals, sharks would just kind of like take a really bad duel. And like you, lose someone you've been early, sipping on the seeding game juice of ass. And you've been sipping I, on that I mean, seeding but, game. I mean, like juice. legitimately, like sharks are just like any of their map control came from the fact that people just take a really bad duel against them a lot. And I didn't really feel like they would do things very often that would like lock down an area of the map and force them. They would oftentimes it's like they would someone would just feed. And then they would just do a fast rotate or like another, or even on a sit, like they would just keep hitting the same execute over and over and over and over again on, on attack. On defense, they were way more proactive and like way more varied in their looks than their attacks. So that's the main thing I'm worried about for them because I think they're ahead of the meta in Brazil. I think their players were all really good and they have like a deep roster compared to like the duelist heavy stuff for Brazil. It's just their attacks. I'm worried about their attacks because I don't, I don't see a universe where like, any of like the the europe european teams in particular and even sentinels are just gonna like just take dry duels other than like zombs and haven and sewers where he'll just like peek over and over again i mean you say like, that but i just don't see that if I mean, tens you know? is having one of those games he does do that kind of stuff quite a lot but um, that could be feast or famine right like, and, like well that's saying, the thing yeah, and be. i think that's gonna be pure famine just a starving tens against a team like this because they, <laughs> I mean, I think what did Sadok say in the interview? Like tens is like a dime a dozen in Brazil or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I He's mean, like, we have, we have so many tens in Brazil. Yeah. Like they're, tens, I mean, tens, tens go like tens, Dirk dashing in shit like that. It, it means nothing to them. Yeah. I <laughs> they, think they've experienced worse. Like, it, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Their win condition does seem to be shutting down aggression from other teams. And that is really interesting coming into uh, Iceland because we were expecting Brazil to be the region that was going to be the really aggressive region. And instead, the meta in the last couple of months has evolved to be the top teams are the ones catching the aggression instead of doing it themselves. And the aggressive teams end up, like you're saying of us, looking like the ones that are making really dumb plays on defense because they're just running out there and trying to take unfavorable duels and they're, they're getting gobbled up. I do think the Vikings have the individual skill across the board to absorb people like Yampi, Durka, um, 
Scream, uh, Tens. That I think they do have the skill across the board to be able to deal with those players. Not, not saying they're going to neutralize them completely, but I think they've got what it takes to be able to go toe-to-toe and not get overwhelmed by players like that. Um, I also want to point out that when they were playing in the winner's final against Sharks and they beat them on Ascent, something they were doing extremely well was their like pump fakes on attack where they they run fast execs a couple of times and it works and then they fake the fast exec to force out all of the defensive utility from sharks and then they just stop they just pump the brakes and they just wait right outside the doorway and then they go back and they collect all of the people that have over-rotated and they just get the kills behind them from people that have already extended out from A. Like, I'm imagining there was a round where they, they, they've been running fast mid-to-B hits um, against Sharks. They've worked a couple of times. And then they run a round that looks identical. They run the same utility and they stop just outside market and just outside B main. And they pause. All of the Sharks use all of their defensive utility. And then Vikings just yeah. walk back and kill a guy that's extended out of catwalk. I think those kind of pushes, are, it's really only like tier one teams that are, that are finding the balance in tempo to run those kind of plays and run them effectively. And I want to see more of that from Vikings. Because I, I don't think that I saw that very much on Bind, for example. Although Bind isn't really a map where you see defenders rotating behind you a lot normally they're just rotating through their own spawn so it's not as effective but still like not very much teleporter use on their attacks but the, there is still there is still evidence of them being excellent in those kind of scenarios it might be this round yeah. actually that we're showcasing here where they they're doing this fast hit using the boom bot to be able to clear out they force the dash out of uh gabishis and they they go towards and they force out the killjoy utility the raise nade the the uh the recon dart the drone that all of these things and they've drawn three plays over to B and then they just wrap back and they're able to collect the kill. I think that control of tempo to me was a, a good sign for Vikings uh, that they're able to manipulate their opponents and they're not just zug, 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 zug on their attack rounds all the time, even though they are quite execute heavy at, at some moments. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I was, you know, they, they have a massive depth of tempo. They can go fast, they can go middle, they could switch sites. They could go all the way to the end of the clock. I don't think any other team has even that depth. Even Sentinels, for example. Sentinels doesn't have a fast type of play, play for the most part. Like, they they hit Shark with the Shark attack down mid on CT. Like, they, they, they got everything in terms of pace and tempo, which I think is very, very, very scary. Especially if they know how to control it and use it at the per perfect times, which against Brazil, it looked like they did, you know? Yeah, and that's it's about getting the read on their opponents, I think. All right, let's 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 move on and talk about Sharks, though, because there does seem to be a big tier difference between Vikings and the rest of Brazil at the moment. They're, they're, I don't even know what their overall record is for the whole year, but Vikings are 16-1 and one on Bind, 13-1 and one on Ascent, 12-4 and four on Haven, and 6-2 and two on Icebox. So for the whole of 2021, they've only dropped, like, what? Uh... They've only dropped eight games, eight maps and across the whole maps. of 2021. They are clearly in a tier of their yeah. own right now. They won Masters 1. They've won now Challengers Finals for Masters 2. This is quite evidently the best team. And yeah, when we asked them, when we asked the Vikings guys if they were surprised that Sharks made it, they said, no, we expected it to happen. But from the outside, it did feel like it was a pretty open field for number two. It always feels open with the outrageous skill level within the top level teams. Um, but 
watching the games and seeing how it played out. It does make sense, and it does make sense why they would feel that way. Because Sharks did just have... They, they were the other team with the best idea as to how to play against the majority of the Brazilian teams. And crucially, like, the way that, the way that Gamelanders and Furia play versus the way that Sharks and Vikings play... Yeah. Sharks and Vikings are directly... They, they have directly countered yeah. those teams as to how they approach the game and win games. Um, and, and that is what got Sharks through in my mind as well. I mean, I, I think that that really is the key. Um, and then just when they go up against Vikings, though, I, I, do, I really do believe right now Vikings, in all aspects of the game, they are just great right now. Um, Sharks just don't have the same depth as, as Vikings at the moment. I mean, Sharks' but, map pool, if you want to talk about depth, is already my biggest question for them going in. Mm. Because there's something like 60... Well, actually, I've got the stats right here. Why am I trying to remember it off the top of my head? There's 17 <laughs> and 2 on Haven this year. So that's clearly their best map. They, they have a fantastic record on it, although Vikings beat them most recently. But their ascent is 15 and 5, also good. Their bind, they have a 50% win rate on, even though they're playing Viper and stuff on that map. So they're kind of trying to play the meta, but they're still even this year on it. Their Icebox is 30%. So they are... They're, they're definitely not... Um, and they're just permaban split. So they only have two maps that they're actually good at. When it comes to the top level of play, Sharks only seem like they're really able to win on Haven and Ascent. That doesn't yeah. seem like a a strategy for success against the best teams in the world at Iceland. Also, it seems like a lot of their round wins like rely on pros and just popping the fuck off like for a round. Like I've thought like, especially during like their, their rounds versus the Vikings, I would see them kind of be pretty like they're, they weren't having good tempo. They were trying to rotate. Their rotates were great. And then the Prozen would just like pop the fuck off and get like four, three kills randomly or an ace. And then they'd be like, okay, we won the round. Even though like we kind of just didn't, weren't able to hold the site at all. So, and I, and honestly, uh, Gabish, I think that's like, or Gabish, Gabish, it's, like, it's like an S for the X. Like, you know, despite them playing Duelist a lot, I actually like their look a lot better on non-Duelist, uh, which is kind of strange because you would expect like Brazil Duelist to be like, that's like their thing. But I, I don't know. I just, Sharks felt like there was a pretty big gap between them and Vikings, like in terms of how well-rounded they are and like what their actual tempo and like strats are. Like overall, I felt like Vikings is like the only, they're the team to get it done for Brazil at Iceland for, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I felt like Sharks was kind of one-dimensional um, in the fact, not necessarily their, their game plan, their approach, but in the fact that when they were losing, it was always only one person making a big impact. And that was either, you know, Gabish or whoever whoever else. Um, I think when they did come through, it was finally two players coming in at the same time, which was their duelist, Prozen, and whoever else the other guy is, um, which kind of sucked. Uh, I, was, I was honestly, when watching the Furia game, which was the one that qualified them for, yeah. for Iceland... I felt like Furia was the better team. I honestly felt like Furia should have won. It did feel like Furia won. choked, didn't it, in that game? Yeah. It, well, especially on Icebox, but overall, like, uh, what was it? The first map was Bind. Furia just looked absolutely better. Um, a sense, like, they somehow just lost, by, they, like, got, they got stomped. And then Icebox, yeah. they were up 8-0. Yeah. And they lost. Absolutely crazy. So, yeah, they just couldn't deal with the pace of Sharks. 
on their retakes on Ascent, and they got boomed that way, I feel like. But overall, I thought the approach was better. I thought that the, the players were, were all kind of stepping up all together at the same time. Like, Zand was really good in, the, in that game. Khalil as well. Quick was massive. QCK, I think he used to go yeah, by. Yeah. So, yeah, just I don't necessarily know if Sharks has what it takes to be against such a wide pool of different play styles. But I do think that they could cause some upsets. That's where I have them as my and my like Iceland standings. I think they'll cause upsets, but they won't be able to go to the distance. Who would they who would they upset? Because I mean I think I would rank them probably um honestly I think I'd rank them a little below version one right now. Uh, but I don't think them beating Newton or the uh, Crazy nope. Raccoons or X ten. I think they can upset the EU guys. Oh, you think they might be able to upset really? the European teams? Okay. Why not? Ah. Take alerts going off. Why do you huh? think that? Do you think there's some specific matchup that's beneficial to Sharks there? I think that you historically, and, and even these teams, Fnatic and Liquid, have struggled against some of the teams who are one-dimensional, who have, you know, some weird quirk in the comp. I don't think that Fury, or, uh, Sharks had too much of that. Well, actually, it might catch them off guard because of the way that they're just, like, consistently playing Omen, which isn't really a thing anymore sure. when they play, like, double double whatever. Um, but generally, it's always these quirky teams that have very aggressive stints and have whatever read that they have, and they just go for it, you know? I think that that can catch the EU teams off guard. I don't think the NA teams actually feel like they'll get caught off guard in, in that respect. Yeah, I kind of... No, uh, I'm... Yeah. I do agree that the NA teams seem to be, um, because they're so open with how they play, they do seem to be quite adaptable to their opponents. Whereas when, yeah. I, watch, when, I, watch the European when I watch the European teams play, they try and play their game, and they're trying to adapt their game to, to fit their opponent. Um, but for the, for the Brazilian teams that have made it through, I feel like it's somewhat similar with them too. I don't really feel like the Brazilian teams that have made it through are... The most, like, uh, I don't know, the most flexible teams in the world that are always going to try and counterplay their opponents. They, they have a plan and a strategy of what they want to achieve in their games as well. And it's not like we've got Furia or Gamelanders with these incredible <clears throat> heavy hitters in that might just storm over the EU teams with their aggression. So I mm -hmm. don't see the upset potential being there as much, personally. Like, I, if Furia had too. made it through, I actually think that Furia might have been... More so? of a team that could have made upsets. I, I, because I, they have I, such I a agree. different oh. style. Yeah, but I think this meta is just terrible for those teams. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, this meta agreed. is just bad for Game Landers and it's bad for Furia. And it's so hard for them to find success within it. Um, sure. I think they would have just struggled off the back of that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like, Very reasonable. Especially against a team like Version 1 who are all in on Astro Viper. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you could even. I mean, if we want to talk about Game Landers a bit or Furia, sure, um, yeah. Open the, uh, open I think maybe Game Landers specifically because you know they're expected to make it. They have who is still probably the best player in the world on their team. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kurt, if you want to even if you want to go to that Game Landers Haven Liberty game, the one that they lost, I think you could pull up. It was either the last round or the second last one of uh, Haven. It's a perfect example as to the struggles they felt, um, which is just. Astra just ruining them. They're just, okay, we're going to try and fast hit this site again. Like, John is playing Phoenix. He's trying to ult in one gravity well. Everything's over. The whole, yeah. the, all the rotations are already there. I mean, 
uh, yeah, Aster and Viper are just so punishing to teams that want to fast hit sites. Yeah. Um, because you, yeah, if they're hitting the site where one is, or if you have both, if you're set up on different uh, on you know either site, like what what can you realistically do? Not much. You know, you just you, you can't get past the gravity. Well, if you go through the smoke, you're taking fifty. It's just a bad meta for these teams. Yeah. Um, and and they didn't they didn't change their approach, and it cost them. Technically, it will be thirty at Iceland. Like, but like, yeah, it's still, it's enough. It's going to be enough to where, like, I think the only team that actually, like, Sharks look a little bit more well adjusted. But when you saw just how behind the meta I feel Sharks still are, like, it just feels like Vikings are the only one right now that have a really good read. Did Sharks play any of the like major players who were playing Viper or Astra? They were playing Viper. They played Viper with Gabs. No, 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 I know they played Viper. I'm, uh, they played Viper on Bind. Um, I'm wondering if they played against any of the big like Brazilian teams that were running. Like, did oh, they, well, they play against Haven Liberty, who played Astra twice? Yeah, and they played against Vikings who were running it. Yeah, they, they played against Viking who was playing Astra um, and and stuff and Viper a bit. So, yeah, but yeah, uh, I'd have to rewatch and, and look at that specific interaction because I think I, the Astra is the more important one, more so than even the Viper, especially with the nerfs. Still, Viper is going to be really strong still, but like yeah, the well, Astra still... is so good at setting it up. So you got the two mollies to throw down, but but yes, it, it is the Astra primarily. It is the gravity well. There's just nothing you can do about a gravity well and a choke, especially like on Sea Long, for example. Um, but yeah, I just think this was the worst meta for these teams. I don't think they adapted to the meta. They just tried to play their same game. In some respect, I feel like they kind of went backwards. Like game landers on a lot of the maps went back to the old reliable Brazilian comp of the Reina Rays. That's like the yeah. OG comp that in Brazil, they were run like all the teams at some point. It felt like we're running that all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it can't work right now. I also, game landers, when I was watching their games, I, I feel like they have not just regressed in terms of not following up with the meta, but they also, their team play is just not good right now. Compared to looking at the other teams and other regions, we, we talk a lot about the way that this team is set up and you can hear Sassy and Sadai talk about it in our interview as well as being like MW and John and then three supportive players that are trying to put them in the best positions to to frag. A lot of the time they're not even doing that right now. They're not doing that. They don't have the team play to actually set up their duelists for success. It's MW and John doing their own shit. And if anything, it's John that's setting up MW because John is entering and MW's like cleaning up the players behind him and then just popping off individually. I mean, the round that we're watching right now, MW's just on his own inside oh, A. This round. But but there's there are many other examples of this happening and they are playing an extraordinarily individualistic style, which doesn't... I mean, this is not the meta to be doing that kind of thing. This is the meta about team play and about using coordinated attacks to be able to open up space for yourselves to get through those choke points. You can't just brute force everything, and that's what it feels like Gamelanders are doing. Besides which, if you're trying to play an individual style, you simply can't do that with three players who are towards the bottom half of every tournament statistically that they've ever played in. Like, Joe has the worst stats uh, in this tournament out of any player that's in it, and he's playing for a team that was expected to go deep. Like, you can't do that unless you have fantastic team play and they don't they don't have good team play right now so instead yeah. it's just it actually feels like watching this game that it's just mw john and three people who are just running around just doing their own shit and not getting value out of it 
They're, they're all just playing on their own, playing their own game, and it's just whoever can frag, which is MW and John. There's no thought about how to put them in the best positions or what the game plan is. And when they're on defense, if those guys are holding the site, like John, uh, Zhao and Yang, you just lost that site if they hit it. They just don't have the skill to be able to hold up. Yeah. I, I, I was so underwhelmed by Game Landers after all the hype. I, I watched them a little bit in, in the Masters run, but this is the first time like I deep dive and watched them the entire way. And I, I was just underwhelmed. It felt like, you, like you guys are saying, the two guys felt like phase a little bit. You know, back in sure. the, back yeah. in the heydays, um, I, I don't know how many times I saw MW Zara like by himself, like not making the right decision either. Like he's there and he tries to completely take over the round rather than like that Haven round that we just saw. Like he's he lurks on the to to site, gets past the tripwires and stuff like that. They have no clue he's there. He calls the rotation and then die, he throws nades and dies. And I'm like, what is going on? And that forces them to go back, like. The individual decisions, even though they're fantastic individual players, just doesn't feel like they're actually working with the team. That's a team where I feel like they're going to have to make roster moves. Like, I think that I their, their expectations are yeah. that they want to be the best. And I, I think they're actually really tight with each other as well. So that might make roster moves really difficult because I think they're like longtime oh, I mean, friends. This, from is, other this games is like exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, this was way. the final. I mean, just John trying to, they're just desperately trying to get in. They have to wait out all this util. Um, and it also, this, kept this is happening a pistol round game. For, for Haven Liberty too. And they're just sitting here stuck in long, unable to get out for the longest time. It kept <laughs> they have happening. to rotate back to spawn, I, but they've already lost a player and given up a gun. I, I can't remember if this was the last round or not, but I know towards the end of this game, they kept doing they kept going C-long as well. It was driving me crazy. They were trying to five-hit out a long with That's Phoenix crazy. running in. They just couldn't yeah. get in. And, and those kind of burst plays were viable in, in previous matches. Yeah, this is the last. Yeah. yeah. They were extraordinary. Just, I mean, that, that star ruins them again. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just the, it's just the Astra. The Astra just ruins the, this, this style. But it's also because they're really readable in how they're moving around the map, right? Yeah. Like they hit C yes. and then they all just stomp their way over to A and they try and hit A. Yeah. And you can't, like, when you're playing against an Astra, you can't do stuff like that because the Astra can stop you from being able to get through even if she isn't in position yeah. herself to do that with a rifle or, a, a, like, a, you know, like an omen would have to be close to use a paranoia or something. Yeah, it really feels like they're, they're just lost in uh, being way behind the times. But I'm a little disappointed that Furia didn't make it. And Gamelanders as well because that aggression was part of what I always associated with the Brazilian style and I don't know whether I don't know whether sharks are an adequate enough replacement to be able to like actually represent Brazil extraordinarily well on the world stage. I, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I think it's I, it might be for the best in regards to the actual results that the teams get in yeah, Iceland yeah. Yeah. representing the country because those teams are just not no, no. going to do well in this but, meta. But what I what I guess but I, I know hope what you're saying. is that I wish we had been able to see. A meta that was more open to that style as well. Oh, where you yeah. could also play aggressively, and then we also got to see some hyper aggressive teams along with the I, others too. Absolutely, it's, it's really cool to be able to get that kind of uh, that kind of thing. Absolutely, and that's what people were looking forward to with all the game landers hype and all that. It was like, oh, the Brazilians play double duelists and they go crazy, you know? Like yeah. that's what people were yeah. looking forward to, and we 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 definitely I don't I don't think we'll get that at. Sharks will will do it a little bit. Vikings will also do it a little bit, but it's not not even close to the level. And and like even if it wasn't this meta though, I think that that style is 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 dead. To be honest, 
Really? You think that style's just donezo? We're not going back to double duelist aggression? I think it will return at some point. Yeah, no, I think it's dead. Huh. I think it should be okay. dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bala's calling it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Bala. I, I don't see how it can... You don't ever see a world in which just burst plays come back? I think the meta is going to cycle. I, I think that it's going to... Aggressive play is going to come back at some point. It's, it's not that it, there won't be aggressive play. It's that specific style where it's like you're basically... You're, I mean, if Ball and I are on the same wavelength here, we're essentially mm -hmm. referring to you are on one gear, which is aggression. Right. There's, right, right. It's not mixing in aggressive. It's you are an aggressive... Team, you're you playing these fast on the, hit rounds. The two guys who are trying to take space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see a world where that can continue with the agents that are in the game now, and with. But that doesn't mean they're always going to get picked. I I, I, I don't even think it's the agents in the game. I think it's just the 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 most the optimal way to play is yeah. a counter to that. Like no matter whether you have Astro whatever, like I just think that the way that you play like Sentinels or something like that slow defaulty controlled playing for the information and, and working off of stuff just is better than that like making decisions it, on the fly just, being yeah. able to be fluid and retake sites and whatnot i, I think that that's I mean, how yeah. you beat that kind of stuff and throw in like all these pace changes and whatnot sure. that's the, how it counters it there's going to be an evolution Maybe. of the game for i sure. mean i feel like it depends on what brazil takes away from iceland essentially like does brazil walk away from iceland and they're like guys we need to adapt or does brazil walk away from iceland like guys we need to frag harder <laughs> like so like it just it really just depends on what brazil themselves like what these regions take away from iceland right i i think one question i'm i i think that yeah that that will matter um but iceland's not a foregone conclusion i think that you know us writing off the brazilian teams because the meta is is not favoring them i i think that it's not like they're ignoring the meta. I think they must have made a conscious decision not to be playing those because of the way that other stuff has evolved in Brazil. You know, what if they've already played against the Astro Vipers and they just decided it's ass? I think that is a very big possibility. Like, why are they, why are they still playing Omen? There must be a reason on, on Ascent instead of Astra. There must be a reason Yeah, I mean, that, I think, that we don't see. Yeah, I think that... The... I, I think they're still being able to find value out of it because the kind of paranoia is very good for being able to stall a push it's in a similar way, but it's faster. Like, I think that that's some of it, is that the pace, when you're dealing with such aggressive teams on attack, like a lot mm -hmm. of the Brazilian teams are, you need to be able to react extremely quickly. And if you're not at that level with Astra, it's always going to be faster with Omen to just press Q, fire out the paranoia as some piece of defensive counter utility that stops an aggressive push in its tracks. Um, yeah. rather than rather than trying to like you know play an rts put down the slow find the exact timing for it etc so yeah i mean also teams are using a lot of mobility agents in uh in brazil too the jet the rays that can get past those and end up getting um not getting caught in the gravity well whereas the paranoia is gonna yeah. hit everybody so i think there's I, like I, I think the, the pace thing the region. makes a lot of sense to me but yeah every other region is also running the 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 double mobility agents as well you know i want i want to still yeah, sorry, go on. I was just going to say they're still running Astra. They're still running the stall agents and stuff like that too. I want to close out this segment by just asking very, very quickly, if you had to rank the regions right now, where would you put Brazil? Where, where's, where are the top two Brazilian teams when it comes to ranking them with EU, NA, Brazil, Korea? Are they first, Ooh. second, third? Where, what's, what's your thoughts? Well, first of all, I will say I think it's pretty evident that there are top 
there are three top regions, which are NAEU and Brazil, where you sure, go yes. from there is open to interpretation. And I don't think it's particularly easy to give the edge to, to, to really hard give one, two, three. Um, okay. Without watching them play, but we can speculate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to say, uh, maybe one EU, two Brazil, three NA, but okay. like by some slim margining. Okay. All right. I mean, right. I Got might be, Brazilian I might here. be wild like enough it. to. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of wild. I think Vikings. <laughs> are real good but i'll i'll go with that for now okay i like that has anyone got a different take i mean yeah i think I that don't. this is a uh rock paper scissors situation like i i genuinely i think overall i would uh, no i think i would put na above brazil overall right but I think that some of the the stuff I, I'm I'm still full on with the the upset potential for Shark against EU, for example. And I think right, Vikings right. can go toe to toe, but I do think that both Sentinels and V1 will be better than uh, better against the Brazilians, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. Wait, sorry. So were you saying the regions overall, or just the teams that are at Iceland? Because I was thinking I about just the both. teams that were at Iceland. Yeah, just the ones that are at Iceland. Yeah, Iceland. Okay, because yeah. if it was regions overall, my opinion would be different. Sure, but yeah. teams that are yeah. at Iceland's. Okay, I'm sticking yeah. with. Yeah, uh, Avast, what are you aligned with? Bala? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm agreeing with Ball a bit. I mean, I just think, I think I think Vikings is like really good, but I'm just not confident with Sharks. I'm just not confident yeah. with Sharks in terms of my read for Brazil. So like, I would have probably it's so tough with europe and north america right now because i feel like na's grasp of the meta is like pretty good currently like version one seemed like built to play right now in this meta uh but i i think i'll probably still go eu and a brazil with but with the caveat that i think vikings could just like hard pop off i think vikings are like is the mm -hmm. team from like an outside those regions that could go far like they okay. could definitely go far i am not confident on sharks though yeah. Also, yet to see Latam. Yes. Also, yet to see Latam. We can Latin. throw in if we just want to say South America. Sure. Because I, yeah. We'll so maybe see how good Crew or Infinity. Are. Yeah. Because the Sassy and Sadak were really bigging up Crew, but we don't really know how much the Scrimbucks are involved. Which bullshit so. Scrimbucks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll 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 see about that. But for me, I think a lot of our discussion about the the like errors that creep into the Brazilian game, I feel like it's very easy to forget the errors that have been plaguing sentinels recently as well the top north american team right like i don't think any of us would have completely perfect glowing reviews of sentinels recent results with their run through challengers and okay they really did pick it up towards the end of challengers finals and they looked like the real deal and when you have so much history of them being a fantastic team it's very easy to excuse away the mistakes that you do see but I really do feel like NA has some serious holes that they need to patch up before Iceland as well, Sentinels included. That I just Especially do. Sentinels. I just do have faith that Sentinels are going to do that. So, like, I think I still would rank EUNA Brazil, but that's under the assumption that Sentinels do bring their absolute A game to Iceland, which I don't think is a guarantee. Whereas I think Vikings are just going to be Vikings. They're just going to be good. Like they don't. It doesn't seem like they start slow in tournaments or have 
really poor off days or anything like that from the games that I've seen of them playing in 2021. They just they're just good. Like everything they're bringing is good. They've played it on stage before. They were good. They've won stuff. They're good. Whereas Sentinels, it does really seem to be like they had some times where they were fucking bad. Like they need they need that time period to. I don't know, warm up, get good, figure out the meta. I don't know I what it is. I think a lot depends on the format for Sentinels, man. I really, like, if sure. they get some time in groups, for example, I think it'll be good. Well, they do have if seven no days. Time, it, the, the format has got to give them no, no, some no, I'm not time. Saying, I'm not saying, like, the time before the format. I'm saying what the format actually is. No, no, I mean the entire tournament runs over the course of seven days. It would be ridiculous to have a format where the NA team went out within the first one you day. Know, what I will... Like, that would be ridiculous. On that, though, as well, I mean, it depends, too, like, what, what teams, like, what's their run through, like, this hypothetical group? Do they play, like, X10, new turn, and then, oh, shit, we're playing Fnatic? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, that is, because we've seen, even in, in some of these tournaments, like, they will just, they will be pretty lazy about their play and just step on some lower-tier NA teams, and then they play, like, a mid-team in NA, yeah. and they are suddenly struggling, and the yeah, fundamentals yeah. are out the window, and no one can trade for each other, no one's watching angles. So, I mean, what are they going to, like, are they just going to beat X10 and with ease because they're not the best, and then they just play against a sick team and get smashed? Yeah. And I then mean, there's, this is not even like a, I don't know. The, the, the thing I'm getting at is just that the skill level in this tournament seems outrageously varied. It very, I mean, very. Well, let's, let's get on to Korea then. Let's move on sure. to Korea, because... The the other regions we're not going to talk about too much yet, but sorry, Bala, do you want a final point? I just one. I, I think the best way to evaluate like how our estimations go for for the rank, like how we rank the regions versus uh, what we talk about after is like the average placement of it. Just because like a Vikings win, uh, even though sh like Sharks does terrible, like that could switch things yeah, up. Definitely. Everybody's gonna be like Vikings won, so Brazil's the best. But in reality, like I think the average placement of all the teams from the region is gonna be like a really good way to evaluate right. and, and I do think sure. that Vikings is a clear tier gap above Sharks in a similar way that Sentinels is a tier gap above version 1 that tier gap doesn't exist with EU so they're more likely to win based on like average placement if you want to put it like that because yeah. they just have two better <laughs> that's, teams that's that they're was, sending yeah that's that's what I was thinking whereas NA hopes are with Sentinels if you're, if you're trying to see NA winning Iceland your hopes are with Sentinels if you're trying to see Brazil win Iceland your hopes are with Vikings if you're trying to see mm -hmm. Korea win Iceland your hopes are only with one team because there's only one team being sent. It's new turn. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about the, their... Your their... hopes are unfounded. <laughs> <laughs> if your hopes are with Korea, yeah. I salute you. But, right. Uh... Well, let's, let's start there with the uncomfortable truth, I think, is that there has been so much hype surrounding Vision Strikers and Korea because Korea is phenomenal in the esports that it actually plays a lot of. Uh, League of Legends, Overwatch being the two that spring to mind, but also like StarCraft, obviously, StarCraft. and other things that they've really gotten culturally involved with in the past. Valorant does not seem to be that right now. There isn't that much depth within the Korean scene. They don't look as hot. Uh, I want to kind of go backwards compared to what we did in Brazil and almost start with setting expectations. From what you've watched of Korea right now, What's your thoughts? Like, do they belong in the in the group of like tier one competition? Nope. <laughs> Hard. I mean, nope. I, well, what is I'm, like? I what are we saying was, tier one? I mean, is we're like... all banking on Vision Strikers making it right for the narrative. Like that was our. We were all I mean, just I, like Vision Strikers yeah, just don't hoping. lose. 
just don't lose before yeah. Iceland. And then and then it turned up that they lost and like because I think well here's my I didn't want Vision Strikers to lose not only for the narrative but also because I was not feeling confident about Korea as a region like currently and so it would make more sense to me to send Vision Strikers even if they're not that good because at least it's Vision Strikers but right. now we don't have Vision Strikers and I'm just not I personally like I do I have to give Korea some credit and I feel like they've tried to at least new turn in particular and, and even damn one and stuff like they've tried to like stick with the meta a bit more than like let's say brazil but they just still don't look good at it is my particular view on it right well i'm not big enough yeah if, uh, how i would assess tier one the teams that i'm thinking about as being tier one right now when it comes to iceland uh liquid fanatic sentinels vikings those are the teams that i'm yeah. thinking of being tier one tier two i'm thinking of like sharks version one and then it's open to kind of other teams being added into that. Do you, where do you think that a team like Newton stacks up or, or the Korean top teams I, in general? I honestly, I, I wanted Vision Strikers to go for the sake of the story, but Newton are just clearly the best team right now in Korea. And I think, I mean, yeah. within this game against Vision Strikers, they, especially on an individual basis, I think, just have better players right now. Um, so I, I am glad that they, they are going and, and they look to be the best team right now, right? But I, I don't think it's... I think you could put them maybe at the bottom of that tier two. I don't think that's... Partic I don't think that's cr crazy, honestly. I think they have some good individual skill. I think Lakio's crazy. I yeah, think yeah. Wow is really crazy. They have good... So they have some pretty good fragging. I think on Ascent, they were... Both Vision Strikers and them on Ascent actually were... They just kept running the same rounds over and over and over. Vision Strikers had yeah. like... Like on the Vision Strikers pistol, I was like, oh, that's cool. They have like this interesting execute where they were going through heaven uh, to, to hit A, pushing through grass. They would use the Astra Smokes to get through into heaven. And then they did it like three more times. The only the other rounds they would do a, the same B split over and over. Yeah. And Newturn were holding the sights in the same way over and over. On Bind, Newturn had a bit more depth. They were doing... Some interesting things on defense. Yes. Throwing in some cool defensive aggression. Bind is Should definitely even, the best They map. had the Breach go through the teleporter and ult behind the players and shower. That was a really I don't know good if you round. could find that, Kurt. Sorry, I just, here, let me just throw it around. You can find it. Have fun. Um, <laughs> but it, it was a cool round. I'm sure someone probably clipped it. But they did, um, they did have some cool shit on Bind. That's where yeah, their depth yeah. was. I, I think they're a pretty good team. I think they have some good individuals. I think they have some pretty good ideas. I think it's a question for me, how many maps can they actually do that on? Um, and also, I think in Korea, they, they got away with a lot on defense because the attacking teams were not particularly coordinated and their sight anchors would just rack up 3Ks yeah. on way too many rounds um, from just people not clearing things or just silly little mistakes like a timing being off and Lackey is just... He's just shooting them. They're coming in one at a time, and he's just getting kills over and over and over, headshotting everyone. Um, and they're not going to have situations like that against the Tier 1 competition, but I think they're a pretty good team. Um, Bala, what's your, what's your thoughts? Um, I think that Korean is, or the Korean region is very much all the... They're, they're in their own galaxy, right, where everybody plays... Ha they all have the same issues. I'll put it that way, where the pacing is always the same you just walk up to the the space that, that is given and you execute from there yeah so that's yeah. vision strikers issue every single time 
I think that New Turn is the only team that has actually evolved past that. Yes. I think New Turn is literally the only evolution in Korea since the days of Vision Strikers dominating, where they are taking map control. Like on Ascent, for example, against Vision Strikers, and actually on both their games, they're taking this aggressive B main control with Solo trying to place Killjoy or Nanoswarms deep in B main. And then he has the other one in market. Like they're they're doing stuff like that. Bathroom control is a thing that they're fighting off of. They were transitioning between two different parts of the map to take control. Um, but still, I just don't feel like they have the experience against some of the other stuff that is going on. Would you in, agree uh, with Wired's classification of them being at the bottom level of that tier two with teams like version one and sharks? Are they on the same level as those teams? Sure. Yeah. I, I, no, they're not on the same level as version one or sharks. That's why I like when you put them at the bottom of the tier two, I'm like, yeah, okay, they are worse than, than those right. guys, but I, I wouldn't put them in the same tier. Right, because it's almost to a me, tier below. Right? I, mean, I, I would put them top tier three. Like, I don't expect them to be consistently good against any of the teams above them. Um, I do think that they could upset. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of a team that they'll be able to upset with their execute heavy style, and I think it's going to be one of the NA teams more than anything else, um, where... Yeah, the the they give them with... a lot of room and they just allow them to go crazy with their breach XX and stuff like that. I think that NA might struggle with that where they follow through all the way into the site. Um, that the problem might is, be their Version one are always going to ban they bind. They should be consistently better than every other region. Uh, the, like the they're never going to play regions. bind against version one and bind is easily their best map. They're, I mean, Newturn is the team that created this composition that FaZe started playing on bind mm -hmm. and on Ascent as well. Where they were playing, it's it's like the zero sentinel breach Sova double duelist, and then the yeah, but they played bump. it differently. Like they do. Newton, I think, play it more intelligently than Phase do. Where they're much more active on defense, they're very aggressive on defense. They'll get in your face. I think that could be pretty good, actually, even against the European teams. I just don't think that they have like the style. I think would be pretty good against the EU teams. I just don't think they're going to actually be able to execute I, it properly. I cannot imagine the EU teams giving them the space to get into the places that they need to be to get to get those executes off on attack no no way right no, what, what i'm that, saying is that's they why might get i caught don't off give a bit on any defense. potential against the eu teams yeah i i, I think that yeah I, I think that it becomes very difficult to consider which teams might get upset by new turn sharks is a team that i'm thinking potentially as well i'm just trying to think of teams that are going to let bind into the map pool because i think bind Fnatic. is an absolute necessity <laughs> the thing is though yeah. Fnatic isn't actually going to get upset and yeah, bind. there's no fucking I mean, way that's you the know? problem they're going to yeah. play liquid who wants to play bind i'm well, clipping that Fnatic shit fun clipping on it. that shit yeah because... every time we've made a hot take like no way this happens it's happened every time we did it <laughs> no, with anbox I... we've done it with version one I, now we're I gonna do go to think... bind for Fnatic. i think newtern have some upset potential on maps i don't yeah. think that I don't I think don't they can think string they it together it. across a whole series. Yeah, I don't, see, I don't see two maps that they can here's, necessarily win. Here's maybe a little hot take, though. Yeah, okay, let it rip. Okay, if Sentinels are playing like dog shit at the beginning of the group stages, I can see them being a team yes. that would get defeated by Newturn, though. Sure. No, because, literally because Sentinels, yeah. when they were dog shit, they did exactly what would be awful against Newturn. Yes. Exactly yeah. like what taking would individual be awful. Yeah, they had stuff, no map not control setting at all, up. and they just yeah. let Newturn execute, and, potentially, if they did that same mistake. And recently, they've been permabanning Ascent from the map pool, and they've been letting, like, bind and split through. I think Sentinel splits looked real shaky recently, and Newturn at least have some good ideas of what they want to do. Like, they still pressure a ramp effectively, they take mid, they have some decent execs once they hit the site. Like, it's not great. I, I'm not trying to sell, like, Newturn are going to take down Sentinels, they're, they're going to dominate. But... 
they still do have upset potential on certain maps. And if the if you're a team that's um, that's going to let like bind and split, for example, into the pool or bind and ascent into the pool, then you have to be cautious of what Newton is going to bring because they still are an all right team that has decent individual talent and some pretty decent coordination and they're a step above the other korean teams when it comes to their attack rounds as well the rest of the korean teams and also the rest of the asian teams from which i've what i've watched including the whole of the well not the whole of japan because i've only watched the top two teams but the top two teams in japan and x10 from sea their attacking rounds are so one-dimensional they literally if they take any map control they're executing within the next 10 seconds they're so I mean, readable there's no the sense of taking map classic. control and playing the information game or playing slowly at all it's just we take showers we push out of showers we take hookah we push out of hookah and there's no there's no there's nothing else to their game when it comes to attack it's so easily readable at least new turn don't do that all the time yes. you know at least they've got that yeah. extra tier to their play where they they're definitely the best representatives of korea that could be sent i i think when you compare them to the other teams as well though and like the tier two and maybe even some some if we're going to talk about tier one i i think that they have the firepower there as well honestly on some of these guys. So I, I think that that can, uh, yeah, that can take suggest, them, I think that allow. can take them the distance, yeah. honestly. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I, they can hang, but I think just like they, when they try to play a non Korean style, for example, I just don't think it's good enough. They like, also, uh, like we, yeah, sorry, go on. I'm interrupting you. I, I was just going to say, like, I don't think that, 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 you know, the information game from them while they, they are the only team in Korea running it is is very good it's like they make reads that are obvious because the other team is obvious you know like it's yeah. very easy to come up with an idea that works in in that sort of style the other thing that i notice a lot about newton that could catch teams off if they're not willing to do their prep now i'm only bringing this up but for like the sake of completion but surely there's no teams that are going to fail to do prep on teams going to iceland there's like there's 10 teams there it means you have to do research on nine teams even you, as soon as the format is out and you see who's in your group, surely teams are yeah. going to be doing effective prep against everybody. But if you don't do effective prep against New Turn, they have a lot of trap plays. They're probably the number one team in Iceland that's going to run trap plays. What I mean by that is that they have like, they're ready to throw utility at you as soon as they hear like an orb being uh, taken in B main on Ascent or when you walk up B long on bind against them they're gonna have like lackier watching to take contact and then as soon as he does you're gonna get breach stunned and breach flashed and they're gonna try and push you they have set plays for that all around the map like they have astra traps on ascent and they have their aggressive breach traps on uh on both bind and on split so if you're playing sloppily and you're not ready for that then those could also catch teams off guard and net them some free rounds where they just get a pick or two picks off that and they might be able to translate um i i think as soon as you're ready for that though it's gonna fall on his head because they just run the same plays over and over again but it's a bit similar to version one version one have a bunch of trap plays that they run on ascent that i think are gonna get figured out and they're gonna have to come up with new stuff for iceland so if newton have a bunch of new things that they bring out at iceland if they're very creative with what they come up with then maybe that is an area that they can Get some wins off too. I think they will. There's, there's like even things like they do with their smokes, for example. Like, I, yeah, in this game, probably a couple rounds. No, it's uh, on the defense side. Like they throw an assist smoke for solo on lane, 
so that he can hide in the cubby a little bit more and then escape and stuff like that. And they have like random like spots where you would never expect a team to smoke or spend two omen smokes or Asher smokes. They they just put them right next to each other, like on Bind, for example, right behind the truck or yeah, on a scent. They 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 make a tunnel on like to block both sides of heaven, for example, so they can clear sight without any risk of having to worry about that guy right behind the box that's easily spammable. Like they do these weird sort of things that will take adjustment after after seeing it one time or or whatever that are not that deep. When they really also ego them. challenge like fuck. Like the discipline yeah. level in Korea and in Asia in general is. Uh, it's atrocious compared to the rest of the world. And I think it's just because other teams haven't punished it yet. Like, they, they haven't been punished, so they don't realize that it's something they need to improve. And I think it's going to be a rude awakening in Iceland. Like, watching Alau in particular go for these solo plays where he's so far ahead of the rest of his team, just trying to get that kill, and he dies. And if that happens with consistency, which it probably will in Iceland, they're just going to be down a man in these yeah. scenarios. And that coordination that fundamental tightness and discipline to how you space yourself is the hallmark of good teams and they don't have that yet I think so that is really going to hurt them too it's kind of a yeah it is it's just a problem across the whole region in asia in the games i was watching teams don't really understand how to generate advantage if it doesn't come from a kill um like there's not a lot of map control game going on um but we'll see i still i still think that they can do all right I want to I wanna move on, though, from talking about New Turn to actually discussing Vision Strikers as well a little bit. Because the big news here for a lot of people is not necessarily New Turn is going to Iceland. It's Vision Strikers aren't going to Iceland, right? I feel like that is the big takeaway that most people in the scene took from this. Because Vision Strikers had this cult following. <laughs> like, different teams enjoyed the set plays that they ran. It's a bad. lot of people online thought that they were just the best team in the world for some reason. I don't know why. There was no team that if you... I swear. When I, there's no team out there that if you said something like, I don't think that they have the best firepower. People, people like Vision Strikers. <laughs> and they would let you know that you're very wrong and yeah. that RB is the best player in the world. <laughs> yeah. And it's... Uh, yeah, they... Uh, they were just so... They got overhyped. I mean, yeah, they got very... I mean, yeah. They got unbelievable. Well, I mean, you could argue overhyped. for a period they, like, could have lived up to the hype for, like, a, a very short period the time, like, just because they had such strike? an explosive yeah. style that no one else was really working with at all. But then, Definitely. like, that kind of just fell out of it because now at this point, it's like, it's like Bala was talking about earlier. Like, the game has evolved so much, like, in terms of, like, even North America now has, understands, like, guys, what if we pressure multiple parts of the map and then we just rotate when like and like you know and like at this point there's just no free like there's no free side executes anymore like there is no free side executes especially with astra being a play in viper like it just doesn't exist anymore so i don't I, at this point it's it's done i think the i think the experiment is is over in vision strikers we're gonna have to seal up that sarcophagus and you know <laughs> that's like it's over it's over, guys. But we, we have been saying for a while, I remember us bringing up this point multiple times on Platchat, that Vision Strikers were very unlikely to be the, the god team out of Korea. But what was interesting was if Vision Strikers could um, inspire a generation of talent that was better than they were to play a structured tactical style. And mm, I think yeah. some aspects of the Vision Strikers' excellence, like their set plays and stuff, 
I think some aspects of that have definitely bled into the region as a whole and kind of been some of the qualities that Korea has been the best at. I think the set plays, they still have really nice set plays and the ideas of what they want to do. Not Vision Strikers particularly, but like Newton, if we're talking about that, I think have been inspired in some sense by good defensive set plays um, with their aggression on Bind, for example, which it doesn't use the same composition or anything like that. But the the stuff that they've taken from Vision Strikers' heyday in November or December has led to an improvement of the scene overall because you had to be able to beat Vision Strikers in order to continue. I think it's still been a good thing for Korea to to have a team like that that had such a unique vision on how the game was supposed to be played. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, I think you can see that even bled into... Yeah, it's bled into new turn a bit, the way that they approach the game, I think, to some extent as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if we want to get into Vision Strikers. Well, how, what, how yeah, deep, what went wrong? But, what, what went wrong? I mean, Cliff what went notes, wrong for what me? was wrong okay. with Vision Strikers? Well, why didn't they make it to Iceland? They did the same thing. Get the glove out again, bro. Yeah, the, <laughs> the fucking and this time, this time it's personal. <laughs> okay, I mean, for me, it was. I have the same experience I always have when I watch Vision Strikers, which is like the first round, the pistol. Like, holy shit, they have this cool new execute. They're running up through grass on ascent. They have an Astra smoke down on on door on yeah. A. They're pushing in through heaven. They're splitting the site. They have all oh, the perfect stars. Molly goes down onto head. Like, they have this cool execute, and then. They do a B-split, and then they do those same two rounds over and over and over. On some of the rounds, the timings are just not there. The players aren't excellent within the executes. When it gets scrappy at actually supporting each other, at actually swinging at the right times, they don't trade off of each other well enough. They have cool ideas. They come into the game with cool ideas, but when it comes down to actually winning out the fights, they struggle to play a, a competent, fundamental game. And aside yeah. from that, they don't exactly they they, they just don't have a, a a good map control game. No, they're, they're really so telegraphed, yeah. and they just did the same hits over and over and over. And it, I mean, it, it's it's. I also they just didn't they didn't adapt. They, they did also not put stacks on Phoenix for a lot of this. I mean, so they're they're trying to. I think stacks is still probably. Well, maybe maybe Stax isn't the best player in Korea, but I think he's certainly in the running, and he might still be the best player in Korea. It's just a little debatable when you have people like Lackier or whatever uh, suggest that are around Phoenix. there. But, well, but that's the thing, yeah. The Phoenix is not the right role for him. He's he's the best. He's an incredible supportive player. His dual, his um, uh, breach was fantastic and really laid down the guidelines for everybody else in the world for like yeah. here's the best way to play breach he really was that kind of caliber of player he put in the research but they didn't even try to put Stax's Phoenix in a position to succeed they didn't ever try to get the it, snowball going they never no. had utility to help him while he was making plays or ulting they didn't try and farm ult orbs for him and, and get him in a position to to uh, to like get that snowball rolling no drones for him to try and push aggressively out. They just didn't do fucking anything to set him up for success. He wasn't even playing, like, aggressive with Astra Utility in A-Main on Ascent or anything. There was just nothing. He was just sat there on site, and then he would flash and I mean, try and get kills. It looked like they no told thought. him, please carry us. I mean, there were just so many moments where he is just inting in off of a flash, just trying to kill everybody. Yeah. Um, on, on the second map, specifically there were just so many times like rather than waiting for teammates for a retake or something like his it's just he felt like 
he had to carry at some point. Like yeah. he just needed to dunk on the other team, and that's the only way that they could have won. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't know. I, I swear it's just the same problems that they've always had, and it, I, it hasn't really changed it's, much. It's the same problems. I think they try to fix it with a composition change by putting stacks on on the yeah. Phoenix, for example, and bringing RB back to Jet. I think that they're trying to get towards the style of the rest of the world, right? Where you can start to play fluid, right, with, with that. But I think that the the way that they're being led, it's still so focused on their their sets, their executes, the the tactics. They have no fluidity where they can play the macro game every single round. You know, where they can start farming orbs for for stacks for him to to go run it back and stuff like that. Why why Phoenix is good in the first place? Um, yeah, yeah. So because of that. Because they're still so focused on the executes and stuff like that, it is very nice. But whenever there's something goes wrong in their their execute, whenever they, for example, you're talking about that pistol round, Wyatt, on ascent where they go up into heaven. The whole point of that was that they're going to be able to get up there and use King as a he's going to get a nano swarm down. They're going to be able to push through, and they don't have to worry about the flank. But King dies, and what do you do then? There's no, nobody who has a backup plan. Nobody's now watching the flank because of it. The guy just walks up and kills a couple. You know. That, yeah, that was when the they tried to that, do the rifle round the same way afterwards, right? Yeah, and it failed yeah. the exact same way, probably. Like, because when you go for this is this has been Asia in a nutshell in TAC FPS is so focused on all the executes. But if they lose one smoke or one flash or one molly or whatever it might be, it just falls apart. Um, and that will always be Vision Striker's issue. I think the comp is going to be fine. I think even stacks on Phoenix can be fine. I think that might be a stepping stone for them to learn how to go in the future. But right now, yeah, uh, they, they they couldn't run it at all. Yeah, even when, when I see them running King on Viper as well, it's like the Viper is is good for an overall strategy. It's not a tactic. And then they just don't get any use out of it because it's based mm -hmm. on them playing around the Viper and reacting to where their opponents are and trying to take advantage of that. But yep. because there's no because there's no plan in place, they just don't do anything with it. It was it was just it's... useless the entire map. And then mm -hmm. also King was having a nightmare of a series when it came to um ascent too. He was just getting caught out of position constantly, people holding in one and done positions all the time, not regrouping and using their advantages. Fundamental, fundamental flaws. And I feel yeah. like that's kind of just Korea. I mean, when Korea is new to a genre, I feel like they always they they find some early like niche things about the genre that like they're really good at and they can hone in on, and then they have to play some international competition to kind of get jump started a bit. Like they need a little bit of rising powder in their in their bread mix, <laughs> and then they'll pop on up because otherwise, like they're just kind of stuck in their own bubble, and and that's kind of like but like. You know, and in return, though, they are the best in the world at various other genres. It's just for the genres they haven't traditionally been in, it's just, like, they're really good at finding the one thing that's, like, very niche for them to be great at, which is, like, these executes or, like, these very, like, interesting, like, just setups. But then they just lose focus of everything else that everyone else sort of gets because they've been in the game and those types of games so long with like the fundamentals of play and like trading and not and having different site hits and like map control and stuff like that like there there's a lot of things that they just miss out on so i feel like if new turn goes to iceland performs okay-ish and then korea walks away from this like wow we really want to not lose again because we hate losing then there's a chance that that's like the 
That's like the industrial revolution for Korean Valorant. Yeah, I feel like we're catalyst. That explosion. I could see that happening. Yeah, I think it depends the, on like I don't know. Is it better for them to be successful and therefore people want more success, or is it better for them to get crushed and no, people it's better, hate not, being It's better crushed. for a middling, middling, not crushed, yeah. not success, it, but in between. Inspiring. That's it needs, needs to be, be like there's there's good moments, but they lose. I could they, they absolutely need... see Sorry, them. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, like I think I definitely agree. I could absolutely see New Turn like almost beating sharks, almost beating. I I V1. think that yeah, I think that could happen. But yeah. I don't think they're going to. No, I think. But they I could think that they could make though. it close yeah. and feel like we could have done this. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think Korea right now is in a state where this could this it can go to the next level for them where they become crazy. Like, I hope so. Again, they've always thrived on mechanics in every single game. League of Legends has been the same way. Overwatch, that's how they get their start. And something else needs to go right, like Avasa is saying. I, I think to continue on the bread analogy, I think they've <laughs> never had... They've never had the yeast, yo. They've never mm. had the self-rising... The Somebody who's playing the game right, you know, in, in Valorant, in Counter-Strike. They've never had that. They've always just had the the proofing section where they can go to international and they they go with the the plan that they've always done which is execute heavy mechanics heavy style and everybody tries to be that they've never had a new turn in my mind where there is they are trying to run information games they are trying to run defaults they are trying to play the macro game and i think that new turn might be the east that okay. they can add and they might the be able to prove the yeast. I actually think yeast that's a phenomenal Iceland. nickname for a team. Just <laughs> the, the yeast. yeast. <laughs> Iceland's gonna have a is yeast it, infection. Let's is it go. Is it is it really a good nickname for a team? We we'll call them the yeast. They call them a bacteria. Is this the one? I'm not sure. I think that's. I mean, it's not supposed. Nice. I, I think it's supposed to be an inspiring name. You know, yeah. they're, the, they're the catalyst. They're the yeast. Well, why not call them like a starter then? Like they're the sourdough starter versus like the sourdough a yeast. doesn't ring off the tongue like the yeast. Yeah, <laughs> and you can, you can, doesn't have you quite doesn't have the yeast. They're the know, yeast like... from the east. That's pretty good, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, that's. That's, that's, that's it's how, got a ring to it. That's why they pay big That's why this guy's filthy fucking rich. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> Having had this discussion about the... Oh, and we're going to talk about the other regions, remember, next uh, next week when we talk yeah. about LATAM, Southeast Asia, and Japan. Because I've only watched a few games from Japan and uh, and Southeast Asia so far. I don't think it's inspiring. It wasn't pretty. No. Uh, we don't know anything about LATAM. They've been hyped up, but we have yet to do our digging into that region because we don't even know which team is going to make it through. But I would hazard a guess to say that if Infinity actually does win, then it doesn't bode particularly well because the NA teams have been playing against LATAM North teams already in scrims and th their perception was that they were like tier two, tier three. So um, if, you're a, if you're a LATAM hoper, you're kind of hoping that crew crushes the final. Um, but the final topic that I wanted to get to before the most important topic of the week, of course, your award, mm. is... The region slots have already been locked for Masters 3 Berlin. So they, oh. they've already decided how many slots are being allocated to the region really? for Berlin oh, I didn't before see this. it's even happened. Yeah. Um, so I can't remember whether they posted this in the same post as when they announced Berlin, but they, they've already got the slots in place and... It feels like extremely early to do something like this because they're not based on um, 
Kurt, if you're able to find it, I need my memory refreshed on how many slots exactly it is for each region. But I think it's like two slots for SEA, Japan, and Korea. Two slots each for those regions. Um, and I think Brazil only has two as well. So we're talking about like... They don't. Oh no! <laughs> nobody really knows. For, yeah. for as much as we claim to be experts and we've watched a lot of the games, we don't even know. We just think we have a good idea about which regions are better than others. But until Iceland actually happens, we don't know which regions are the best, and that feels like an important thing to factor into how many slots they should have in interregional competition. Could have waited twenty days, right? Yeah, I mean that. Well. But I, I mean, understand their, hand, their hands sure are kind of tied. Like they have yeah. to make a decision. I'm sure there's, the yeah, I'm sure there's logistical. Do they? Why do they have to make a decision? This? Why do they have to make a decision now rather than at the end of Iceland? Uh, well, I don't know. Number I'm one, like budgets and everything is probably already set. Yeah, they have to. Right? They also have to yeah. determine travel. They have to determine a lot of different things. Like, what are the travel budgets? Because travel budgets vary based off the region. You have to think about like your support staff for the different regions. Uh, what do you have to have in place for them? Like there, there is a, there is a decent amount of potential pieces that have to be moved depending on how and, much you and, allocate each region. And, and also, champions is already set like this as well. Like that was already from the start. Champions had the regional breakdown as well. So you kind of have oh, it, it did. play into whatever that well, already I'm was. Just a moron. It didn't have these regional breakdowns though, did it? I, I'm not sure. I, I'd have I don't to believe look. it I did. I, I, I didn't was... even know this was news. Wait, okay, can, so can you bring it back can up? You, can you bring up the yeah? So the, here's the Liquipedia page, which is using the source in order to visualize it. So there's four spots from EMEA, that's which cool. I think seems good. Yeah. Three spots from North America. I'm okay with that. Which is yeah, it's all that's all right. Sure. Um, one spot from LATAM. Okay, I'm sure. fine with that as well. Two spots from Brazil. Not loving that. Okay. Two from Korea. But also, yeah, two from Korea, two from Japan, and two and from, Japan two from and SEA. So Asia has six slots, whereas huh. South America has three, North America has... So I guess the whole of the Americas have six slots, the whole of Asia has six slots, and Europe has four slots, if you want to think about yeah, it that, like that. that's fucked. But yeah, I mean, this, so that the, is... The, I don't see what their allocation, like what the reason for the allocation is. Like, you could... How... How, how does SEA in Japan have so many slots? And like, that's just... Well, a lot of people were saying, well, it's just based on popularity, right? Japan got that 150k viewership recently. Turkey? <laughs> Where is, where's Turkey? Yeah. I mean, that's... If that was the case, Turkey would have fucking five slots. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, and Brazil would have more than two. Because you get... would have two teams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just, just boastering the scream again. But yeah. also, jo Japan's viewership that people were touting as being excellent at 150k was the one time that they allowed co-streaming and they had an extremely what i assume to be an extremely popular streamer because i think they still had like 40k on the stream which is normal for the mainstream and they had over 100k watching on the mm. co-stream so i don't know whether that's a sustainable thing that's going to continue in the future it might be because that's how people like to consume their content in north america as well and maybe that additional co-streaming options if there were big co-streamers in brazil or southeast asia or something would boost the numbers there too but southeast asia gets tiny viewership and they're probably not that good if we're looking at the games i mean i watched from the series that i watched with x10 which was the finals they're pro i mean it is very evident to me, at least, that Japan and uh, Southeast Asia are the weakest regions coming into this. It looked like that from what I'd seen I, I, as well. I, mean, I do want to watch more, though, for next week, but yeah. I, it does seem I don't see the top... I don't see Crazy Raccoons or X10 
I can't imagine them beating any other team other than the other at uh, it I depends see. how bad the LATAM team is, actually. If they've been massively overhyped sure. and they actually are like a tier two, three, and A team, then possibly. Yeah. I don't even know if that, though, on it. I, I, uh, point, I guess but my, the thing my, is, LATAM still has only one slot, right? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because if we're comparing right, it yeah. to the slots, Go LATAM, well, even if they are overhyped, they only have one slot, while SEA yeah, and Japan yeah. both have two. So, like. And Brazil only has. I, I don't understand. Brazil only has two, but. I mean, I, I suppose NA has three there, so the thought was, yeah, Brazil has two and Latam has one, and then that's three from North America, three from South America. I guess. I, I don't know exactly what the justification I, is here. I'm just uh, opposing the question, yeah. do these make sense? No. Because they don't make I sense mean, to me. I mean, based on skill, I feel like they don't make sense, even before Iceland. But, but is but. that even the... Here, here's Riot's perspective, right? Is that even the thing that they should be focusing on? Skill, right. at this point. Probably not. Like, what... They have a strategy where they're probably hard focused on trying to get Asia in because if they do, that is something that no TAC FPS has done. You yeah. know, they've never yeah. been able to yeah. bring a Western uh, TAC FPS to Asia. So if they are able to do that, then that is massive. And I think that's a good place for them to focus on. And I, I honestly am excited for that prospect. But in reality, what can like they, they go off the results of Iceland to, to determine like Iceland isn't even going to be like Iceland's going to be a shit show. Like, but I do think there's it makes gonna be sense. so much random, random stuff happening, and there's only ten teams, and the regions aren't already badly representative, no matter what. Like, I, I can't see going off of Iceland being any better than you than think? anything they could do. I don't think I, they can I, do that. I think yet. it makes way more sense to allocate regions based on the previous slot. So, for example, if you have Masters, you have, you know, so for example, you have. Um, a system where Japan, SEA, LATAM, uh, Korea all have one slot, but but if you're able to perform, there there are say two open slots for Berlin, and it's just based on who performs best in the prior Masters, and then for the Masters at, for the Masters one in 2022, who performed best at the previous Masters, they get the extra slots, and so you're fighting for not just. Not just I think winning, that's a good system. but you're trying to get extra. I think that's what they do with Rift Rivals as well, actually. They're, they're mid-season. I don't know how the fuck League of Legends is structured, but I think they have like a mid-season invitational or Rift Rivals or something where part of the prize is that you have an extra slot for your region at the end of the year when it comes to Worlds. That's sick. And I think that makes sense. Like, I feel like that's a pretty good measure. And maybe it doesn't have to be like the number one region gets an extra slot. Maybe it's like... If you overperform expectations, you gain an extra slot for your region. Like, you know, if you're, I, I if think you that is a great a region that's better. I think that's a fantastic idea, great system. I just don't think it's possible to do yet. I don't think that there, there's the sure. information available to, to do much. And the information that is available is population, uh, player population, is viewership, is spending amount like how much are these regions spending inside of the game and in relation to how many people are watching and playing and whatever yeah. all that stuff is stuff that exists everything else like expectations on how a team does here's another is not... question what happens when the game officially releases in china and they have to give invite slots to china do they just cannibalize the other asian slots and they're just like yoink we'll take those back Steal a Japanese slot, steal a Southeast Asian slot, steal a Korean slot, and throw three to China. Like that could also like happen. I feel like Korea would still be its own distinct region because Korea is like it's has carved out its own spot, like always. 
like essentially so oh. it's tough to imagine korea being absorbed but oh. sea in japan I, maybe i could see i'd imagine we could, to China we could and probably from japan and sea i think we could probably be pretty confident that we'll we'll end up being in the the regional breakdown that league of legends has lpl lck the whatever the hell the southeast asia one is called like those all exist in league and i think that their structures there already exist for their esports so they'll probably stick with that i think that's probably safe to assume I don't know how the slots are going to end up being allocated because yeah, yeah. that'll probably be different, but it'll probably be the same formula even still. What do you what do you think about the idea of what this really does for like Berlin and for champions at the end of the year in terms of competitiveness? Do you think we'll end up having a situation where people are more inclined to watch the NA Challengers finals because they believe that to be higher skill level than Iceland overall or Berlin overall no. if it has so many teams from lesser regions in it or are people still just going to be attracted to the the hype of it being a big inter-regional tournament i think people will still be attracted to the hype and i still think it'll have the best teams and be the the best you tournament think? in regards to skill as well yeah I, I think that'll still be the case actually the more the more i'm sitting here thinking about it i mean ball does make a great point about trying to um bring those regions into the fold in regards to being within the fps community more which is very true um but also I do think those those regions also deserve a bit of time as well um, in regards to just not being written off. Like sure. Giving yeah. it, because they are not going to do well at Iceland. If they do, that would be... A fucking miracle. It would be a huge fucking surprise if they, yeah. did, if they did really well at Iceland. What is more likely to happen is that they're going to have a lot to take away from Iceland and can then hopefully improve... And we'll see a higher level of competition when it comes time for Berlin. Right. That would be the real hope. You're bringing those scenes in and hopefully they'll be able to advance quite a bit in regards to their own play right. from And so probably in, in the Berlin example, it's not just Newton that are benefiting from their experience in Iceland. It's Newton and Damwon Gaming who are benefiting yeah. from their experience at Berlin. It's not just X10 that are benefiting from Iceland. It's X10... And it's full sense that are benefiting from and, Berlin experience. And, yeah, I can see the argument there, sure. And think about how it actually affects the Masters 3 quals, right? It's no longer in Korea. It's no longer like, oh, Vision Strikers is already qualled. Like, what can I do? It's now like, oh, there's actually slots. Like, I can I can make this as as one of the players who are down in the, down in the gutter in Korea. Sure. You know, it yeah, gives yeah, them yeah. more more hope, more faith, more possibilities, and more yeah. motivation. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I can see the arguments there. I don't know. Even when you think about it, like, I don't know. Well, yeah, who? The only one I think I'm maybe disappointed about is having more slots for Brazil. Other than that, three NA teams. Who else? If it's Sentinels version one and whatever, Envy or uh, 100 Thieves it? instead. Who was third place in North America? It was Cloud, Cloud Nine. Nine. Cloud Nine. But my C9. point being, like, past having a few teams, are we really, like, dying to get then Envy there if it's. Sentinels, uh, V1, Cloud9, like, oh, shit, NA needs four slots so Envy can go. And then in EU, it's, you know, it'll be like, what, Fnatic, Liquid, Gambit, and uh, my brain isn't working, Oxygen. Was it Oxygen? Yeah, it was, um, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 it would have been you know, Oxygen. <laughs> next yeah. time, though, it's going to be, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. No, 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 They can lose in a semi and still make it. But... <laughs> They're going to lose but, in the quarters then, bro. No! <laughs> but if, um, no, but genuinely, if, if those, 
I don't know. At, at some point, it's like, you got enough teams, and I think I'm happy with what I'm seeing anyway for the top-level competition. Like, right, right. how many teams do you really need to see from the top level of each region competing against each other at yeah. these events? That's it's a also good point. a chicken-and-egg scenario, too, because, like, where do you start? Like, you can make the argument, was like, well, these regions need to develop more before you give them more slots. Well, it's like, you only have two options to develop them. You either throw them in international competition, or you invest more for their local infrastructure and their local system. But like then the argument still is like, well, a is that going to entice enough people to get eyes on it to where like it's one thing if you're like, oh, I have a hundred, I have like a fifty thousand dollar tournament I can compete in, but then it's like, why well, have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar international tournament that I can compete in if I get good enough of this game and like we have like a good shot of making it because we have two slots. So I think, yeah, you know, even though but, it, it it's kind of just like you have to throw in some some VC capital into the fire a bit, you know. Before I want to see I want to see a bit see of capital it. expended for more cups in asia generally though whether that's yeah. lan or whether that's online even but so that because korea is pretty far ahead of sea and japan right now in terms of what i'm what i'm seeing like they, they, i don't even think that they're necessarily in the same tier too like they new turn seems pretty far ahead of crazy raccoons in x10 from the small amount that i've watched and so i think just even having local regional lan events with the asian mm -hmm. teams would be extremely beneficial to uh, to the Japanese scene, to the SEA team, to the Chinese scene when it launches as well, uh, being able to get on the same level and, and compete. I, there were tournaments, the Extreme AW Masters or whatever, I can't remember exactly what they were called, yep. but those were good blending pots of the different Asian teams. And I think those are, that's more of like a manageable tangible benefits where you see oh career is exafar ahead of us we need to do these improvements if you're just getting 13 nilled by sentinels you're coming out of berlin going well my ass hurts but i don't have much else to take away <laughs> like, it's i don't know especially with no yeast like you gotta get the yeast yeah in the ass yeah you gotta get the yeast in you there get the fucking yeast in there and work 100%. it percent Anyway, I thought that would be a nice controversial topic to end on as well, to rile all the people up. And now it's time for the most wholesome, mm. wholesome award of the week. Yeah. Why it's weekly award. Wholesome one. Oh, it's wholesome. It's why it's weekly award. This ball is crushed. Man, yeah. what a shot. Yeah. Man, what a shot. This week, the weekly award. It's going to go on in the news section, honestly, but it's going to be, we, we have a bit of a memoriam for Tyler Ninja Blevins. Who stepped down from, from his, his professional Valorant team time mm. in. He's taking a break. He's playing League of Legends. He's winning League of Legends games while eating sandwiches. And yeah, and looking at that his wife titties. delivered without asking, by the way. She and, didn't even uh, ask for the sandwich. He'll no longer... <laughs> <laughs> didn't even ask. What a didn't life. But he's stepping down from time in. And uh, kind of unfortunate, honestly. It was honestly... It was, it was kind of cool that Ninja was just... Like, Ninja was just competing in Valorant on, like, yeah. a pretty good NA team for quite a while. It Did wasn't... phase that one there time? There was no clout farming involved in no. the slightest. He, it, it was... <laughs> <laughs> ah, my favorite tweet... Go down to the I, show oh, that that's gif. Good. <laughs> that's good. That was I your feel like I'm, we need to have a we need to start a um <laughs> 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 I 
You know they have like on Team Fortress TV, Wyatt and Josh, how they have the favorite Banny tweets? Yeah. I want like a like thread. Yeah. I want a favorite ninja tweets. Yeah, thread. he's got Somewhere. some good ones. That is oh, that is so goddamn. Fun. The guy's living his best life. He's oh, out here. Just... I mean, he's getting sandwiches without even asking. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I have I to mean, make my own sandwiches. That? I'm bad at video games. Yep. I, I yeah no, I'm not gonna comment on the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have started that sentence. But just, just bad video game. sideshow, bro, bro. Like he did no shirt on. Yep. Yeah. Just yeah. bad at games. I don't wear a bra either. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's very freeing. But no, it, but but genuinely, it, it was cool that Ninja. Yeah, like you said, he it was it wasn't like a he wasn't trying to get fame and riches from competing. Yeah. He He's was, already got him. Seemed like he was just. He was just genuinely competing because he liked competing in the game. Yeah. And it was cool that he was playing. You just see Ninja just, yeah. just on a team competing in Valorant. Yeah. I, he, I mean, I remember there was even the one time he even, Mr. Beast called him up, Ninja, we need you in LA. And he said he would go to do like a game show with Mr. Beast, but then there was a Renegades tournament. So he, call, he, he had to call Mr. Beast back and sorry, Beast, I can't come. I got a 10K <laughs> Renegades tournament. And he stayed home and he competed. Yeah. And it was cool. No, it was cool. It was cool. It was, so. he was legit scrimming every single night. Like oh, he, he was dedicated, was yeah. In there, grinding. in the business. That takes a lot of time. So I, I totally understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> Fortnite <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Um, Imagine but, just spending fifty thousand to say your game's dead in a Reddit, a Reddit comment. You know, just be like, "Yeah." How how on earth <laughs> do you get a ten minute video out of one donation? I think he probably does it to a lot of. He donates to a lot of people. Oh, I see. I'm and, in one of those, dude. That's my claim to fame. Really? Not from Mr. Beast, though. Oh. It was another guy, uh, Sunday. Yeah. Okay. He's got like a I I don't know I don't I doubt you can find it, but there's some video on his channel. When I was streaming Fortnite, when I was like mm. playing Fortnite, competing in that game, whatever, I was streaming all the time, and he just randomly gifted me twenty <laughs> subs. And there's, I'm in a video somewhere where he made like fucking twenty grand, probably <laughs> off of the off of the uh, the ad revenue. It's got like ten million views or something. And I remember, I, I mean, I don't get excited about things. Yeah, I was just like, ah, oh, cool man, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> like just some shit reaction. But <laughs> that's my claim to fame. The um, the funniest example of that that I've seen was Critical was doing a, I think it was at Christmas. He was donating subs to people. And he went and he was looking, he said, oh, should we donate a sub? Let's, let's see if anyone's playing Overwatch, the, the sad bastards. <laughs> and he, oh, found, yeah. he found a Hex, one of the casters for the <laughs> Overwatch oh, yeah. League. And he went into Hex's stream and Hex was mauled in. Hex was like <laughs> truly in fucking Tilt City, really angry about whatever was happening in the game. Just like, I can't fucking do it. Like, this is ridiculous. And I think Critical dropped 50 gifteds in the chat and Hex was so angry he didn't even realize. <laughs> and Critical eventually was just like, Dude, this guy is just locked in. <laughs> like, he was looking for a reaction and Hex just didn't realize for like, I want to say it was like five full minutes of him just <laughs> ranting. And then he looks at his chat and he's like, oh, oh did someone give some subs? <laughs> oh my God. Holy shit. Phenomenal. Oh, Christ. Well, anyway, have fun in League Ninja. <laughs> all that League of Legends you're playing. Is he going to compete in the LCS? Is he Maybe. going to be a new LCS player? I, I, I mean, he got two it. kills in bot lane. While <laughs> you, can him, you can see no. him acting in whatever movies soon. Like, I guarantee it. COVID's done. He's back to business. Oh, dude. Back Ninja's definitely, definitely going to be in, like, Fast and Furious 11. 
He would. He's definitely going to have some cameos like that. Guaranteed. I want him to yep. floss in a movie. <laughs> I just floss don't want him to floss a Fast in a movie. Car uh, who who what did that was? They have butchered his nose. All from his Twitter. Ninja's <laughs> flossing. Look at that. Look at Is the that... gamer energy in that pic. Okay. You can just yeah. feel it. That really. Yeah, that's some. He looks like a ghoul from Fallout. <laughs> can we retract the word? I, he can. He can smell. Right. He can smell Let's, his opponents with that. Do, sort of do, do we have right anything there. pressing for the end of this episode that we need to talk about? Any breaking news happened while we were live? Um, I was hoping. Don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't know of any that was. Oh well, yeah. I, I mean, I There's did have a, a whole... piece of breaking news, by the way, Josh. Oh, if yeah? we want to talk about this. Apparently, Liquid's gonna sign Nevera. The, the guy, he was on the six man he was a six man for Vitality CS:GO, and apparently he is going to Liquid supposedly. Yeah, this is a now report. I see. It that. literally just came out from now. Yeah, as in like what? Scream's brother. Like Scream's brother is going to Valorant. Like, really? Yeah, Liquid Valorant. Mm. Yes. And yeah. they're gonna play with a six man roster. Oh well. Well, no, uh, maybe <laughs> they might be losing someone. Yampy oh, comes to mind because Yampy is heading to CS because he's been unbanned. But why would they make this decision before Iceland? Why are they not focused on fucking winning Iceland? Well, why are they so, having no, these conversations this happens, now? This, apparently, the move is supposed to happen after Iceland. Yeah, but there must be internal <laughs> things in motion, right? Like that is really interesting. I don't know. It's was strange, he, though. Was he it's good? Strange. Man. Was he I'm good? Refreshing. He was on the come up in CS. I thought I, I haven't watched a lot of CS since Valorant has come. Well, he hasn't out. played. He hasn't played for Vitality but... for a while. He's been oh, okay. uh, stuck uh, because like Valve made a ruling about six man rosters or something, and uh, he couldn't play. It was something like that, if I remember properly. Okay. Huh. Uh, well, Nevera is close to joining his big brother Scream in the Liquid Valorant team. That's such. Yeah, I mean, it's very understandable for Yampi to have these questions about his future, but I really did appreciate his, like, public statement of, I'm not thinking about it until, until Iceland is finished. Because I felt that that was, like, they have a really legitimate chance of winning Iceland. Liquid yeah. is one of the teams that you would have as, like, they've got a great chance of being able to do it. And if they're already making plans for their team, I don't know, man. Maybe it'll be, like, the swan song. And they'll go and they'll pound and then they'll make some changes and they'll maybe not be as good in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they'll be even better. Fuck knows. Probably wasn't a long time. I mean, Scream probably just knocked on his door in his bedroom. Hey, you want to play with us? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. They probably weren't thinking about it too hard. Honestly. Yeah, maybe He's not. just getting his brother. Yeah. It's probably sees him often. So yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, okay. I'm, I'm all still terrifyingly refreshing Sentinel's Twitter with all this yeah, what is going on? I, I, yeah. Who's I got the secret juice? Dapper just tweeted, might become religious after this week. We are all good, which I assume is a reference to FNS's all good tweet. I'm What I'm is terrified. FNS's all good tweet? He just tweeted it all good, like, <laughs> many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's some weird this shit is, going on behind the scenes, and I don't know what it's involved. I don't know what's happening. There's, 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 there's a house. fucking monoxide leak. I feel like I'm in a CO2 leak right now. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, Let's there was find Dapper. The, the the Sentinels players were all tweeting some really weird shit, and I was assuming that there was going to be some some news that was hidden about something going wrong or something with the team or a player not being able to travel. Obviously, to get to Iceland, you have to have like a, a negative COVID test and quarantine, and a, I don't know. I assume like you have to be able to travel as well. Yeah, have a passport. Have a passport. Tens that kind of shit, he doesn't yeah. have a passport. Oh, shit. <laughs> 
So I assumed it was something like that that was going to uh, impede them. But if it's all good, it's all good. I don't fucking know. I mean, I'd love for someone to dig into that, though, and find out what's happening. It's Maybe all we'll good. address it next week. The, the only other big information, I think, is that it seems quite unlikely that we're going to have a back chat for next week. So instead, we're going to be producing... I, I, I haven't told Avastal Bala this either. Me and Wyatt have just cooked up this idea just on our own. Breaking news. But breaking news for all the people involved. <laughs> we're going to be producing some team previews before we go into Iceland. I can't do that. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We were just doing the team previews <laughs> with a couple of us before anyways. Don't worry about it, mate. Don't okay, worry about okay, it. Okay. But we're going to do some team previews of like, here's the, the cliff notes of what you need to know for X10 coming in. Here's the cliff notes of what you need to know for Vikings coming in. Who are their best players? What's their style? This kind of stuff. Because you could get that by watching all of our podcasts constantly, or you might not have enough time in your day to sit down and watch three hours every single Wednesday. And I appreciate that. Some people's schedules are busy. Um, so subscribe to our YouTube. We'll have those coming out at some point over the course of the next week. Might not be doing all of the teams involved, but we'll be doing most of the lesser known teams so that people yeah. have a chance of being able to catch up and get clued into the main storylines going on sounds nice um and then sounds we'll nice. be back next week with another episode where we'll be doing team uh, not team previews sorry bracket previews and predictions and get into the real meat of who we think is going to win hopefully by that point the format is going to be released or we'll have to break some break some ribs over in riot and try and force the format out of somebody what uh, comment should people leave uh what comment should people leave um i what uh, group stage do we want I don't know. as a format what, sorry? I said, what group stage do we want as a format? Like, you know, round yeah. robin, GSL? What, what do we want the format to be? Sure. Comment that. And if you think that you can come up with a GSL-style nice. system with 10 teams, by all means, <laughs> try and find a system that works for that. All right, nice. yeah, there you go. There's Bala's, there's Bala's uh, idea. And as for that, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.